True loving. It's 73 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Manhattan's district attorney says a grand jury has indicted movie mogul Harvey Weinstein on charges of rape. He surrendered to police last week on charges of rape, criminal sexual assault, and sexual abuse over accusations from two women. It was later released on bail. District Attorney Cyrus Vance said yesterday's indictment brings Weinstein another step closer to accountability for the crimes he's been charged with. Weinstein has been accused of sexual misconduct by dozens of women. The 2017-2018 flu season is officially a record breaker with 256 people across the Commonwealth dying from the flu. PA Health Department officials say that is the highest since they started keeping track a decade ago, up about 100 from the previous year's uh, record. Uh, representatives say reported cases of the flu were up to with close to 50,000 more than the 2016-2017 season. If you are the parent of a teenager, have you ever wondered just what are they thinking about? Apparently it's food. According to a new study, (laughs) 13 to 19 year olds spend a lot of time thinking about food, specifically about 135 hours a year. Study found Facebook is the biggest online source of food inspiration for teenagers, followed by YouTube And teenagers getting more sophisticated about their food. 72% of teenagers surveyed said food is something they enjoy through great taste and flavors. And 20% say cooking is a way to release their creativity. Which is probably boosted by all those kid cooking shows on the Food Network. For sure. And we're obsessed with them. We watch them. The girls are by no means teenagers. Kennedy called herself a tween the other day, and I almost... Uh, slapped her around and put her on timeout for the rest of the month. And I was like, don't you call yourself that. I don't even want to think about that. But their their diets are so, um, I guess, minimal. Like, the, 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 their variety is not there. It's right. macaroni and cheese. It's a bagel. It's chicken noodle soup. But man, it's butter those, noodles with cheese. Those kids on those cooking shows, it's like, holy smokes, where are you oh, getting yeah. this skills? Oh, I know. It's not just cooking, too. It's baking. Yeah. These kids are baking like crazy kids baking stuff. championships. A uh, Florida man was visited by police on Memorial Day after he went into anti-aircraft mode and tried to shoot down a neighbor's drone, which had entered his airspace. 39-year-old Wilmer Yanez returned home around 6 p.m. and noticed a drone flying over his house and believing that the camera-equipped device was possibly spying on his family, especially his 16-year-old daughter. He grabbed his 9-millimeter handgun and fired seven shots into the air. All seven missed, and the drone flew away. The guy then called 911 to report a drone had invaded his privacy, and he has stood his ground by firing his weapon at it. Police responded to his home and spoke to him about the proper use of a handgun He was not charged because no witnesses came forward to say they had seen him fire the gun. Officers determined the drone was being operated by a neighbor who has a license to fly it and who denied using it to spy on the man and his family. Uh, One of my neighbors told me that uh, his kid was doing that in the neighborhood, not like spying, but was like flying flying a drone over. And it had not occurred to me that that kind of stuff was like going on now. I was out at Settler's Cabin the other day and noticed a new sign. No drone flying. No. That's going to have to be a thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's easy to spy on people with these things. Yeah. The ca- and plus, those cameras are, like, the quality is incredible. Right. 
Michael Jackson's estate is suing the Walt Disney Company for copyright infringement over ABC's documentary about the final days before his death. His estate claims the last days of Michael Jackson used some of the pop icon's music, music videos, and concert footage without permission. Jackson's estate previously accused ABC of trying to exploit Michael through the documentary, which did air last week. The network said at the time it did not infringe on any rights and simply explored his life and music career. ABC has yet to respond. Bond. And finally, 54-year-old Brigitte Nielsen is pregnant. I know. No. Don't understand this. Sly Stallone's ex posted a picture of her huge baby bump. It's not a baby bump. I don't know what you call it when you're... I don't know how far along she is, but she looks like she's about nine months Baby hump. Uh, She posted it on Instagram this week. It has since gone viral. Nielsen has four adult sons, uh, all over the age of 23. The actress played Ivan Drago's wife in Rocky IV and has been married to Italian-born TV producer since 2006. This is their first child together. I don't know how old he is. I don't get this. I'm just glad it's not Flavor Flav's (laughs) kid. Because they were a couple, and it was the grossest thing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) <laughs> Watching them open mouth kiss the on gross. television was the grossest. Nobody should have to see that. Do you think she uh, actually felt something for him, or was that all just? I think I want to be on TV more, and this will allow me to get more notoriety. I think it was drugs or alcohol. <laughs> it's probably a, you know because she she was a, a hot mess on that show. Yeah, that's she looked point. like she was in another world. And in that other world that she was in, Flavor Flav spoke to her. <laughs> <laughs> because how could you go from Sly sliced alone to uh, the guy who's wearing Viking helmets and bringing a huge <laughs> like five feet tall. clock radio oh on around his neck into a hot tub? I have no idea. That was such a weird era of television. <laughs> it was right when celebrities really started debasing themselves here. Yep. Forecast today, warm and humid showers and thunderstorms. Some could be strong mid-80s for the high at 72 at DVE. On the way for you a little bit later on this morning, uh, author, humorist, John Hodgman. You might know him from uh, The Daily Show. He's the author of the new book, Vacation Land. I got to uh, peruse it last night. It's very good. I mean, he's just a very funny guy. Yeah, I've heard some interviews he's done about it. And it seems like, you know, I've always liked his humor. It's so dry, so Mm -hmm. subtle. But, uh... I always wanted to know about Maine, and I guess this is the book I have to read to find out about it. A lot about uh, Western Massachusetts and Maine and uh, uh, taking the family on vacation there. Um, so, John Hodgman, 845. And we honor Stan Saverin today. On the day he'll be uh, scrawled onto the Pirates Media Wall of Fame. Uh, one of many accolades Stan Saverin uh, has received in his career and uh, will continue to receive. I mean, Stan's the man. So Stanley Stan is on the man. 9.45 this morning. Michael, have the sports for you. Musgrove gets a win. The Capitals even things up with the Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup Finals. Ah, uh, yes. Blue Sunday. The lovely reprieve at the end of the chaotic... Peace Frog beginning. (laughs) (laughs) From Morrison Hotel. For me, the number two Doors album. That is a band I wish I had been able to see in their early days, like in L.A. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, I think um, that would have been the only way to see them. I, yeah. I'm always so interested to, like, in wondering what they would have been if he would have stayed alive. Because like I always make that joke that he might have been the, like, <laughs> right. you hate having a, you know, would you like all of your records in one collection? Hi, I'm Jim Morrison. He's just a big fat guy, <laughs> like, balding. Let me talk to you about reverse mortgages. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Morrison's just doing inf- infomercials on Fox, but uh, I don't. I don't know. I, I've heard Hi. so many people who just think they were a joke. I'm yeah. Jim Morrison. I'd like to show you this pasta maker. <laughs> and there's one thing I hate: is the Lizard King. It's pain when I urinate <laughs> my calf. <laughs> Uh, but at any rate, that'll never happen. There's some good older videos. It had to be awesome the first couple of years. Oh, I would, yeah. But how pissed would you be to be on that tour that got shut down like after the second? Was Miami like the first date or the second date oh, of that tour? I don't tour? remember. And they're like, uh, we just lost the tour. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Jim got super drunk. Uh, may or may not have pulled it out. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, we all lost a lot of money and we're probably never going to get booked again. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jim Morrison. <laughs> you know, riding through the storm is dangerous enough. Walking through it can be even more dangerous. That's why I always have a hurricane. It's a cane with suction cups on the bottom. So you don't slip and fall. <laughs> oh, my God. So take it easy, baby. Take it as it comes. I'm Jim Morrison. I really want to start doing that. Just just extrapolating out every what these guys. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, just extrapolating out what these guys, if they were still alive, would be selling. Well, he would point. be the one. You know, the, Robbie Krieger's still alive. He's selling his mansion right now in L.A. for like $12 million or something like that. Um, Densmore's still alive, too. Densmore, like, hated his guts. <laughs> I think that... The one uh, who really kept the myth of Morrison alive was Manzarek when he was alive. Because mm-hmm. when keyboard Ray Manzarek was alive, every interview he did, he called Morrison a shaman. He's like, <laughs> Jim was a shaman. You never knew what he was going to do. And that's what made it live performances magical. I felt like I was on stage with Dionysus. <laughs> <You know? clears throat> and like, how many times did his wife have to hear that? She's like, shut up with the Dionysus crap. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Kenny Chesney's coming to town this weekend, and you know what that means. Take the whole family down to the North Shore. Hey, y'all, I'm Kenny Chesney, inviting y'all to my new restaurant on the North Shore of Pittsburgh, Kenny Chesney's Cowboy Beach Bar. Well, the reviews are in, and so far, people love it. Well, I came down for Friday's grand opening on Wednesday, I think, and just like waited on my boat for a couple days. And let me tell you something, it was worth the wait. I don't remember a damn thing I ate, but according to my Facebook page, I had a good ass time. My favorite part about Kenny Chesney's Cowboy Beach Bar? (laughs) You can throw your damn garbage wherever you please. Just like a real cowboy. Suck that, crying Indian. I threw Funyuns on the prairie. Cowboys win. Cowboys win. Daddy, I gotta go to the bathroom. Just whip it out and free the pee, son. 
<laughs> this is Kenny's house. It's using the exact same menus, Jimmy Buffett's restaurant, but changing the font in a couple of words, we here at Kenny Chesney's Cowboy Beach Bar promise you food that will remind you of my music. Bland, derivative, and way better when you're drunk. What are you looking hey, at? On, what guys. are you looking at? Hey, buddy, you stepped on my Well, looky here. They're fighting to get in the front door. Kenny Chesney's Cowboy Beach Bar, where pretend cowboys drink fruity drinks, and it's a-okay. Yeah, they're going to have a lot of authority down on the North Shore this weekend. No doubt about that. Kenny Chesney Circus coming to town. The the boats are all are already lined up. Are the uh, Natty Ice Boxes all lined up? Not yet. I don't think anybody... Ready to do in? The remote... The portable uh, poopers <laughs> that they've been using in the parking lots down there the last few years. BYOP. It's not just a box. It's kind of kind of what uh, has the the vibe has been the last few years. I'm not exactly sure how ridiculous it's going to be this time. You know, they've taken a lot of efforts to curb the garbage situation in the parking lot down there, and by that I mean they give you a garbage bag now when you pull into the parking lot. Yeah, which actually should do a lot. Well, wasn't the first time it was just like there were so many ton, there was so much tonnage of garbage down there, and there was a dispute on whose problem it was. Right. And then once they figured that out, because there's still a ton of garbage after these things, but it's it's somebody's responsibility now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Steeler games, you know, the tailgate situation down there, people are pretty good about at least packing up the garbage to be picked up. So that during the game, crews go through and clean up all the crap. So by the time you get out of there, it's usually fairly cleaned up. Um, this was not the case with the Kenny Chesney concert and the garbage sat for a couple of days. And then the next year, I, it was only marginally better. So I think they've actually probably gotten a lot better with that whole situation down there. But it, it is still the biggest bleep show of the year. <laughs> Without a doubt. No and question. I think they have it now so that you can't go and people watch. You have to have a ticket to get in the parking lot. Well, oh, how can really? they stop people from walking into the parking well, lot? They can't stop you from walking in. You just can't park in there. Yes. So that part they fixed anyways. Um, Mike will be coming in next with your sports. The uh, Buckos get a, a W, a much-needed W last night from Musgrove. And the Stanley Cup final tied up at one after the Capitals outlast the Golden Knights with a miraculous save from Holpe with just about two minutes left mm-hmm. in the game to preserve the win. Full details next. DVE Sports. Mike Masuda's got your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Sports is our brought for you, brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. It's all even in the Stanley Cup final at one game piece after the Capitals' 3-2 to two victory over the Golden Knights in Vegas last night. Game two uh, ending... A lot uh, like Game 1 had. This time it was Vegas with an unbelievable opportunity to tie the game. Alex Tuck on a cross-crease pass with less than two minutes remaining in the Golden Knights down one. And Braden Holpe got his stick across into the lane and somehow made the save. If you didn't see the play live or you haven't seen a highlight, uh, think of Frank Petrangelo against the Devils. Mm-hmm. Back in 1991, the whole net was yawning. And He's like full snow angel. And somehow Holpe kept it out of the net, and that was enough to uh, get Washington even in the series. Uh, Brooks Orpic gets the game winner 
at 941 of the second period. That gave Washington a 3-1 to lead at the time. And if you think that's an unlikely guy to score the game-winning goal in a Stanley Cup final, you are correct. Orpik's goal snapped a streak of 220 consecutive games in the regular season and playoffs in which Orpik had not scored a goal. Wow. That hadn't happened since February the 26th, 2016. And uh, it, it bounced off uh, or deflected off at least one Golden Knights player and maybe two on the way past Marc-Andre Fleury. Not much Fleury could do about that one. It was Orpik's third game-winning goal in 1,128 career NHL appearances. 982 in the regular season and 39 in the postseason. Or, excuse me, 146 in the postseason. He was due. Yeah, he was. <laughs> and uh, a little intrigue as well. The Capitals losing center. If Kenny Kuznetsov in the first period to an upper body injury, he did not return. He played just four minutes and 26 Boy, seconds. Boy, that would be a big loss for them. He's the uh, leading scorer in the postseason. They moved Lars Eller up. And uh, Eller, the guy who had the yawning net for the Caps at the end of game one and somehow couldn't put it in from the crease to tie the game in the last minute, he ended up with a goal and two assists. This stuff is just fascinating. It is. Either team could have won either game. I think either team has uh, shown that what it likes to do can be effective in this series, and it's also proven vulnerable against what the other team likes to do. It's just back and forth. And Reeves gave uh, Wilson a shot in the face. Wilson uh, nice little yeah. punch in the mouth. Nice, had a uh, return cross-check. That- Wilson, yeah, they both took dumb penalties. Uh, T.J. Oshie took a dumb penalty. And it's uh, it's hard hitting, and uh, there's not a lot of room out there, and yet they're both managing to get some chances. Although uh, I thought Vegas for most of the night struggled to get chances at even strength. And it was also uh, an extended five-on-three power play early in the third period in which Vegas had a chance to tie the game and did not. Uh, This is great stuff. Who knows who's going to win this? All we know at this point is it will not be a sweep. I don't think anybody was predicting a sweep going in. Uh, It's now the 19th consecutive season that there will not be a sweep in the Stanley Cup final. That's the longest Hmm. streak in uh, Stanley Cup final history since 1939. Well, I knew it was going to it wasn't going to be as wide open as game 1, Mike, cuz for a number of reasons, but the main one being that I couldn't see Holtby and Flurry having back-to-back bad games. Yeah, and I don't think they had bad games. Uh, they didn't have great games. Right. Uh there's there was just too much opportunity in that in in that first game. And uh I I think both coaches would rather that not be the case because that's you're playing with fire. Uh, when you have good players getting good opportunity, it's going to mm-hmm. end up in your net. And if it ends up in your net, you'll lose. Uh, game uh, three is going to be on uh, Saturday night in D.C. Barry Trotz had no uh, update, not surprisingly, on Kuznetsov after the game. He did talk about uh, the hockey gods. And he mentioned uh, Lars Eller failing to score in the last minute of game one and then Tuck failing to score last night. They kind of evened that out. And they kind of did. I'm still amazed how neither one of those guys scored given the opportunities they had when they had them. (laughs) And uh, that's how close we are to overtime in uh, both of these games. This is really fun stuff. 
They seem to like the pregame show as well in Vegas. And hey, it's their town, their team. They can do what they want. But I, I thought that was really over the top last night. The string section before a hockey game, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, that's I'm, that's lost on me. That's all for their fans. I don't yeah. care. Whatever it is, so they they seem to dig it. There's always something dumb, and it's actually become. You know, I try not to be too much of a curmudgeon about these things with hockey, whether it's a stupid catfish being thrown out on the ice uh, or uh, an entire Broadway musical being launched, uh, you know, before the puck drops. Yeah. It, I do it, find it a little like, I'm like, hey, let's go, drop the puck. Like, yeah, but they're not delaying the game. The game is going to start at the same time yeah. all the time. You're just watching before. I guess because the broadcast starts at 8 o'clock. I don't need to see that on TV, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make. You start, start the broadcast at 7.30 and drop the puck at 8 or just, you know, get to it a little quicker if you could. Because I'm anticipating the game, not, uh, the, not the show. I'm with you, but, uh, you know, they're trying to grow the sport. No, they're doing a hell of a job. And anything that it <laughs> makes the hockey still be quirky and weird and outside of the mainstream of <laughs> no, the other sports. Yeah, no risk of that happening. I, I, I'm, I'm all for it. it is what do you think Washington's going to do? Like... I mean, there's obviously going to be a major drop-off in terms of the show. Yeah, I don't think they do a whole lot. Most teams do some sort of video. You kill the house lights and the, the Jumbotron shows some highlights and whatever your slogan is. Hashtag all caps. Mm-hmm. They've been rolling with that. Uh, rock the red. Usually they just show like a video or something. Yeah. There's not usually an on-ice show, but this has become a staple of uh, the Vegas Golden Knight season, so. But for people, like, I I understand for, you're just not into it, Mike, but people are like, oh, what is this? It's like, it's the place where there's circus shows every night of the week. No, and they're having fun with it. I'm I'm all for them having fun. I just, I turned that thing on at eight. I was ready to go. And I had to wait. The (laughs) strings. I mean, really? You don't like to light up glasses on the drummers? Nothing says Stanley Cup final like a cello. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Pirates uh, beat the Cubs 2-1 to one last night, stopping the bleeding after what had been an agonizingly frustrating series uh, against Chicago. And Joe Musgrove, the guy who got it done, seven innings pitched, seven hits, one run, four walks, and five strikeouts. He improves to 2-0. and oh. He's gone seven innings in both of his starts with the Pirates. His ERA is 0 0.64, a near dust-up in the third inning. Musgrove led off the third with a single and then slid hard into second base on a ground ball as he was being forced out at second. Javier Baez, the Cubs' second baseman, took exception. And uh, both benches and bullpens emptied, and everybody seemed to think that was really needed from the Pirates after what had gone on in the first two games of the series. Then they settled down and played baseball the rest of the way. Did I miss something on that slide? It looked like a guy slid into second base. And second I think everybody's going crazy. I think these two teams want to beat each other up after the last three days. I think the Pirates feel uh, a bit emasculated, and they should. And, uh, you know, they might have been sending off some vibes that uh, they were going to even the score last night. And, uh, you know, the, the Cubs were waiting for any opportunity to say, uh, you're not going to. I guess. I don't know. It just, uh, you know, tensions boiled over for no reason. Oh, you're going to slide into home? Well, I'm going to slide in a second. F you. Baez <laughs> got mad until he saw how big Musgrove yeah. was, and he was like, eh, that was my bad. Hey, guys, you coming out of the dugout yet? Bucks are in St. Louis tonight. 
Trevor Williams against Jack Flaherty. Uh, Steelers OTAs number five uh, was completed yesterday. It was not completed without incident. Offensive tackle Gerald Hawkins injured during the workout. ESPN.com's Jeremy Fowler reporting that as a torn quadricep, Ugh. which is not good news for Gerald Hawkins. Uh, fortunately, the Steelers have their feathers numbered for just such an emergency. They drafted a tackle from uh, Western Michigan on the third round, Chuck Wuma Okafor, which uh, at the time was a little bit of a head-scratching selection given their lack of need for an offensive tackle, but all of a sudden now, they need an offensive tackle, or so it would appear. That's your DVE Sports. I'm Mike Pursuta. Val, what do you got? There's been another penis hacking. Oh, boy. It's been a while. We'll talk about it coming up. Warm and humid showers and thunderstorms, mid-80s today. It's 72 at DVE. It didn't happen to one of the pirates, did it? <laughs> no. Didn't happen to Gerald Hawkins, did it? Uh, Comedy Fest, we added a fourth show. Burt Kreischer staying overnight and doing his podcast live at the Rex Theater. You can get tickets tomorrow. <laughs> it's the DVE Morning Show. Hearing that, are you in good hands? Reminded me, Pablo Francisco will be on the show tomorrow. Are you in good hands? Are you in good hands? Are you in good hands? Yeah, he's uh, one of the best impressionists out there. He's at the Improv all weekend long. He'll be live in studio tomorrow. Uh, Roseanne Barr, of course, has been in the news quite a bit the last couple of days. She has now famously blamed her uh, her racism on uh, taking Ambien. Yes. And uh, she, she made a, a racist tweet, uh, one of many in her history, in her timeline. But this one was after the ABC show had become the number one show on television again. And so they figured, you know what? We took a gamble. She's not going to stop doing this kind of stuff which is kind of disingenuous of ABC, as I've said already, they knew what she was. They knew that she was like this. This is who she is. So for them to act all surprised and say, we won't stand for this, is complete BS because they signed up for it. Don't you think it was more a result of the other people leaving the show, like the showrunners, like Whitney Cummings and Wanda Sykes? Whitney and- left a couple weeks ago, more than a couple weeks ago. They knew she was gone. So she was only going to do one season. It was, I, I think that they were basically in talks with her, like, hey, uh, you have to keep all the crazy conspiracy theory stuff down and uh, uh, tone down the racism, too. Enough with the anti-Semitism and stop saying black people are like monkeys. That's super racist. And she said, sure thing. I'll go back to Hawaii and I'm not even going to tweet. And they went, great. And then she just started tweeting. But again, she has blamed it on Ambien. Now, the makers of Ambien have uh, released a statement saying racism is not one of our side effects. Of any of our drugs. But you know, there are a lot of side effects to certain drugs out there. Are you feeling tired, irritable, not as interested in things as you used to be? Then ask your doctor about Xaminex. People on MAOIs and SSRIs should not take Xaminex. Xaminex may cause dizziness or fatigue in some patients. In clinical studies, four out of five patients suffered no side effects from taking Xaminex. The fifth guy peed his pants and began to drool. It was really funny. All of us got a big kick out of it. Then we gave him some more Xaminex and his hair fell out. We were laughing so hard. Now he was standing there in a puddle of his own urine and spit, and his hair was falling out in big clumps. It was right about then that he began to speak Latin in a voice that sounded like Jim Neighbors. We were all on the floor laughing. It was so hilarious. We gave him some more Xaminex and made him wrestle a lab monkey. By now we were in tears. We placed wagers on who we thought would win. The monkey immediately hit the Xaminex patient with a series of right and left crosses. It was the single funniest thing any of us had ever seen. We decided we had to film it and put it on YouTube. dressed the Xaminex patient up in a Tweedledee outfit and gave him some pudding. Within seconds, it was all over his face. Keep in mind, at this point, he was still speaking Latin in a voice that sounded like Jim Neighbors. It was too good to be true. Then, we all took turns taking pictures with him. They are so funny. Seriously, what's your email? I'll send you some of the pics. So ask your doctor about Xaminex. Seriously, the side effects are so funny.
The Clarks, DB Morning Show, Born Too Late. Their newest album, Madly in Love at the End of the World, comes out at the the CD release party, is, or the record release party, is going to be June 16th, Stage AE. Yeah. I had a chance to hear time. this already. It's very good. Holy cow. Yeah. It's a really good continuation of their catalog without sounding like the old Clarks. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a bad way, the old Clarks. I mean, it sounds like a little bit of a new direction, a little more Americana-based. Yeah. But uh, the songwriting is just tremendous. Yeah, very, very good. Some great... Uh, Kayla Skirman, local artist who is, uh, you know... Uh, just been uh, uh, you know extremely popular with uh, with her fellow musicians here in the last five six years that she's been in Pittsburgh. She recorded an album last year that got rave reviews. They included her on some of the rec- uh, mm-hmm. record too. I think two cuts. It's wonderful. Yes. So I'm looking forward to that. So you got two weeks, sixteen days, seventeen days. Two weeks from Saturday. Is that what it is? There you yeah. go. Ah, oh, nice Saturday night Clark's concert. Uh, that's always a fun show. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Bring it. <laughs> uh, we have author John Hodgman on the show later this morning, and Stan Saverin also will be in studio after nine. Val has news next. Hey, there's been another penis hacking. I got to find your penis hacking yeah, I, bumper. Yeah, I was kind of giving you the tease, so you had time to find it. <laughs> we got a few minutes. There <laughs> has been another penis, penis hacking. hacking. Sadly, the search for that when I pull up the search engine is Val Penis because I know it's <laughs> something like that. Isn't it Val's penis hacking? Yeah. Theme. It's not. I don't. It went away. I don't know why. It's always Damn so it. hard to find. I'll I'll find it. We'll okay. find it on the break. You got time. Yeah, no worries. That's coming up. Also, we added another comedy show to the DVE Comedy Festival, and uh, Bert Kreischer is staying over. He's doing his Bert Cast, his podcast live from the Rex Theater on Saturday. Tickets available for that tomorrow at DVE.com. True love it. It's 71 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. We talked about this uh, briefly uh, earlier as the Roseanne fallout continues, and we did wonder yesterday morning if this would happen. The maker of Ambien has responded to Roseanne Barr's claim the drug caused her to go on a racist Twitter rant. Sanofi, the maker of the sleep medication, tweeted a response to Barr yesterday morning saying, while all pharmaceutical treatments have side effects, racism is not a known side effect of any Sanofi medication. I I think Uh, they should have shut their mouths on this one because it's not like Ambien doesn't cause people to do crazy right. ass things when they're sleeping. It wasn't one of the Kennedys on Ambien and crashed a car or something? Yeah. In D- Washington, D.C.? He like drove a car into a bomb situation. They were trying to like defuse a bomb and he drunkenly like drove oh, yeah, past the that's barriers. That's right. Well, it wasn't, well, whatever. He Under the influence of Ambien. He's a Kennedy, so who knows what was really <laughs> going on there. If you drink on that stuff, I imagine it's uh, pretty bad. I've heard tons of ambient stories. Just craziness happening. What is it for people with severe insomnia? No, I mean, I'm sure it helps them, but I know people that take it on planes. Really? From yeah. what we know now though about sleep, it's not you're not getting good sleep on that stuff. No. You're not getting the kind of sleep you need to be to be totally replenished. No, you are not. How do you get that? <laughs> you go to bed I mean, early. <laughs> you work on a farm. Pretty yeah. much. And you, you to, wake up. You, <laughs> physical labor when, all day and you're yeah. worn out. Right. And then you just sleep good. When it gets dark, you go to sleep. And when it gets light, you wake up. John Pretty Goodman much. says he doesn't want to talk about it because he doesn't want to cause more trouble. He told ET News he's not bothered by the show going off the air because he didn't score an Emmy for the first nine seasons and he knows he wouldn't get one now. 
which Poor is kind Dan. of a strange response. That, but I think that's just a way for him to cop out. Roseanne Barr's ex-husband, Tom Arnold, accused her of wanting the show to get canceled in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter. He also suggested that ABC could have prevented Roseanne from posting controversial tweets by taking her phone away, and he called her a loose cannon. Uh, Entertainment Weekly says the network is thinking about creating a new show with the rest of the cast. Disney ABC Television Group President Ben Sherwood also said in an email to ABC staffers, the network hopes to find a way to work with the Roseanne cast and crew in the future. A Hollywood reporter saying the cast might be getting million-dollar payouts from ABC because they all signed contracts for a second season. The craziest thing to me is that Roseanne is making all these tweets from Hawaii. I mean, it's you're living in a tropical paradise unless you live on that, that one island that's exploding at the moment. But like, you know, you got a macadamia nut farm to tend to. You're in Hawaii. Maybe she saw the volcano and thought, that's inspiring. Let me throw something explosive out there. <laughs> right. I, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you, though, Bill. If you live in paradise, why would you be delving into the dark Twitter? web? And and indulging in weird conspiracy theories with no basis in reality and ginning up some sort of nationalistic racist furor on a hourly basis instead of just going outside. And feeling the and ocean being like, breeze. I'm in Hawaii. Put your flip flops on, take a walk. Yeah. It's beautiful out there. It's good advice for everybody. Officials say someone has already purchased the former Peters pub in Oakland, which we touched on uh when we uh, interviewed the owner. Yeah, uh, we have Peter on. Yeah, with Mario's group announced Wednesday they have purchased the Oakland Bar after it closed for good last week. Renovations will begin immediately and Mario's third location expected to open in August. An Ohio woman is in trouble over allegations. She tried to slice off her boyfriend's genitals. Deputies in Stark County say Jamie Gimmel went on the attack this last weekend and began cutting off the man's private parts. The two were in a fight when things got physical. He was pretty badly injured. Uh, she is now facing charges that include assault and domestic violence. We should probably stop making this funny. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> stop it's encouraging just so these bizarre. Women. Why? Ugh. And they always use like a rusty pair of scissors or something dull. Hedge trimmers. <laughs> Come on, man. It bears repeating, though, that the reason that the John Bobbitt situation took on a more of a national specter was because she took it with her. And yeah. threw it out the and car window. And then threw it out the window as she drove down the road. And, uh, it, you know, we always made the joke with like it lands on the car and the windshield behind them. Right. You know, it's like, damn, the bug's here. Uh. Are enormous. <laughs> um, I went to that house for some reason. This is really dumb. The John Wayne Bobbitt house? When I was working for, for KPMG, I had to do an audit of Ryan Holmes, and they had all these home developments, and he lived in a Ryan Holmes development. Mm-hmm. And I had to go look at the new construction there, and, like, I don't remember what I had to do. I totally, Audit. I screwed it up. Whatever I did, I literally <laughs> screwed it up. But um, I remember saying to the guy, like, so uh, Manassas, Virginia, right? And I'm like, this is where uh, Bobbitt's from. And they're like, yeah, it's actually the house is in the one subdivision we're going to. I'm like, shut up. And I got all excited about it. And I mean, I could not have seemed less professional. I'm like, you have to take my picture. In front, in front of I mean, it's then I should have known I was not going to be long for that world. But I just remember how just embarrassed for me that guy was. <laughs> 
<laughs> How old were you? What, were you like 25? Uh, no, I was 22. And um, also, I got a speeding ticket on the Beltway with that same client in the car doing like 80. And I was like, can you, I got pulled over. I'm like, was I going that fast? And he was like white knuckle. He's like, you were going 80 miles. You know? 80? Yeah. Well, now, I don't That's... know. It wasn't that much. It That's probably been. normal speed on a highway in D.C. if yeah. you can get going that fast. I was going to say, I've never been going that fast on the Beltway because it's always jammed. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, the penis hacking stories always capture the imagination of the American public. <laughs> I don't know why. Do you remember? It's just such a bizarre thing. Do you remember when Stern had that special? Where he raised money for John Wayne Bobbitt. For Frank and and, and and the meter for the goal was just a broken penis. <laughs> and when they got to their goal, it was reattached. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, because didn't he have a, it was like the early days of Stern TV. It was on like the E! Network or something. Yeah. I remember somebody had like a bootleg v, VHS of it. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, what? this is the most bizarre story because i was either in high school or just out of high school then didn't they both do pornos i don't think she did he did he did for sure franken penis could he do it i uh, mean is he yeah. okay i just followed him on twitter that's a, john that's bobbitt a, yeah but he hasn't posted anything since 2012 so probably not very active uh snoop dog is now a guinness world record holder he made a giant cocktail at the Bottle Rock, Bottle Rock Napa Valley Festival. It's being recognized as the biggest cocktail of its kind. The world record uh, organization officially documenting Snoop's self-poured gin and juice as the largest known to man. Guinness tweeted the record and said it contained 180 bottles of Hendrix gin, 154 bottles of apricot brandy, and 38 3.78 liter jugs of orange juice. So congratulations to Snoop. Snoop World is world record holder. It, I mean, I just never would have thought that this is where the Snoop <laughs> story would mainstream. go. It's pretty mainstream. It's it's just crazy. He doesn't say no to anything. You can Not get a Snoop thing. to do a bar mitzvah. <laughs> How do we know he hasn't? I guarantee you, he's performed at a bar mitzvah. There's no question. Yeah. When he showed up at the after party for the Steelers Super Bowl in Tampa, I was 100 percent not surprised. I'm like, oh, of course. Is he super tall? Yes. yes. Pretty tall. And Mike Tomlin he, got out of bed to come back down to the party <laughs> and introduce him that night. Snoop is in the house. He's like, I was sleeping in bed, and I told him I could only come down for one man. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I, obviously, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Pittsburgher Jeff Goldblum branching out into the music world. He signed to Decca Records and is set to record his first jazz album. According to Page Six, the actor's piano skills caught the attention of Decca executives after he accompanied soul jazz singer Gregory Porter on a rendition of Nat King Cole's Mona Lisa on BBC talk show The Graham Norton Show. Uh, he does have a jazz band called the Mildred Snitzer Orchestra, which plays around L.A. and New York. He's really good. He's a great player. He's just one of those unique guys. He's mm -hmm. just I, I would love to have his disposition. I wish I was like as just happy and as affable all the time as Jeff Goldblum is. It probably helps that he's like a big movie star, yeah. and probably doesn't have a lot of headaches. But he's just always so happy. Did you ever see him on Portlandia? He doesn't. No. He he's done a bunch of Portlandia episodes. He's hilarious. And he's gonna be in the new Jurassic Park, 
Is it Jurassic World? Whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. It's a, it's a world now. But do they acknowledge him as being part of the original terrorizing moment of... And why do they keep... They know it's going to happen again. It happens yeah. in every movie. At this point, it's it's sort of like Liam Neeson getting his kids taken. <laughs> like, at what point do we actually start pointing the finger at Liam Neeson for bad parenting? Right. Exactly. These people keep building this park. It's not going to end well. I haven't seen any of them since the first one. The only way I think I'd want to really see a new one is if they had something where, like, a bunch of Chewbacca's invaded and tried to kill <laughs> all the dinosaurs. <laughs> it's not going to happen, man. You are a Chewbacca advocate through and through. And, and yeah. I, Han Solo is way, like, way underperformed at the box office. Chewbacca would never. The Chewbacca movie would be Kill. like. No, it would. No, it would be awesome. Oh, no, yeah, it would be It would be awesome. How expensive would it be, though? With all that fur? With a lot of hair. No, he's CGI, man. No fur. No fur. Like, very little fur. It would be great. Or maybe they could just have King Kong. They could be like, uh, something should come Crossover. and try to steal the dinosaurs. How about an asteroid? And then Liam Neeson could get him back. <laughs> How about just. An extinction. <laughs> it worked once. <laughs> Jimmy Page scored a small victory Tuesday in his battle with his London neighbor, singer Robbie <laughs> Williams, who wants to <laughs> install an indoor pool in his mansion. This is why we don't get any more Jimmy Page music. <laughs> he is too busy being upset about Robbie Williams' pool and Indoor garden. Indoor pool. Uh, Jimmy claims the construction would damage his home, Tower House. He attended a planning committee meeting on Tuesday at Kensington Town Hall. I mean, can you imagine Jimmy Hendri or uh, Jimmy, Page. Jimmy Page going to a council meeting? Did you see what his opening uh, statement was? He's like, hello, my name is Jimmy Page, but that's not important. He said, uh, I'm here <laughs> to a fragile little house. <laughs> plead to you to take all necessary measures to protect the tower house from the threat of harm it faces. A decision has been postponed. And afterward, Jimmy said the deferment was a very good conclusion. He said, I'm really pleased at the outcome in so much that the council showed so much consideration to tower house. He's lived there since 1972. His construction is causing all sorts of vibrations, <laughs> and it's scaring my 17-year-old girlfriend. <laughs> His next album is just Sounds of Construction from Robbie Williams' house, with him yelling over it. Come on, Robbie, you really need an indoor pool now. I'm just trying to do my black magic by myself, and the vibrations are knocking Alistair's text off the countertop. <laughs> Forecast today, warm and humid showers and thunderstorms, mid-80s for the high. It's 73 at DVE. Big weekend in Pittsburgh, but it has not been without controversy in the past. Tonight, on an all-new CSI Pittsburgh. It may have been a Kenny Chesney party on the North Shore, but not for one unlucky ticket holder. What do you got, Lieutenant? 
A 29-year-old male wearing plaid jam shorts and reef flip-flops found dead face down in an enormous pile of empty twisted tea boxes, empty Keystone light cases, and hoagie wrappers. Any witnesses? Uh, just those two guys over there. Well, fellas, what did you see? Uh, I saw a lot of people who didn't exactly get themselves in shape for beach season, you know what I mean? No, I mean, what did you see as it pertains to the victim? Oh, well, he was standing there. He tried unsuccessfully to get the Let's Go Bucks chant going, and then he uh, barfed up a donut and passed out. Did either of you attempt CPR? No, I didn't make it in to see any of the bands. To be honest with you, I didn't even know CPR was on a bill. I would have gone in to see him. What about you? See anything suspicious? Well, if you're asking me, I think he probably had an aneurysm from listening to country music all day. It's enough <laughs> to do anyone, right? Hey, wait, wait. Charlie Daniels is country. You got one of his songs on your tailgate mixtape. Yeah, because you got a song about the Steelers and a song about the devil. Yeah. Gets me pumped up. Not like this Cracker Barrel toilet music he's got going on. Uh, the victim appears to be severely hot, dehydrated, Captain. Yeah, probably because he's been down there since Wednesday when he tied up his 12-foot fishing boat down there behind Bettis' place. Why would he have tied it up on Wednesday for a Saturday concert? Well, he's got to get down here early for all the good spots. Yeah, but he's going to tailgate with you at your dinghy's parked up Aspen wall. At least you wouldn't have to hear this crap music Good up there. Good point by yeah, you. Right? Good right. point by right. you. Right. Right. You guys hate the music so much. Why are you here? Drunk chicks. Boobs. Drunk chicks, boobs. And cowboy hats. And them Daisy Dukes. You latch on to one before they puke. You get a hoagie into them. You got a shot at this being no pants <laughs> nation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No pants nation. You know what he's saying? Do you hear me? Cause of death appears to be acute intoxication, heat stroke, dehydration. Not so fast, Lieutenant. Not so fast. What's this in his throat? He was digging in the man's chest. Leave the. It's like Silence the of the Lambs. He's He's the Silence of the Lambs. Exactly I, what it's like. I bet there's a moth down yeah, there. Probably. Well, well, well. Looky here. Plastic shot glass containers obstructing his yeah. airway. Uh -huh. Them jello shots can sneak up on you. Yeah, it's like Woody Hayes said. Yeah, three things can happen with a jello shot. Two of, Two of them are bad. bad. Yeah. yeah. It may be the No Shoes Nation tour, but for this guy, looks like it's the No Pulse Nation. Yeah! Oh, my God. That's loud. A little unnecessary. But look at this way. At least he ain't got to listen anymore to this NASCAR elevator music, you know? Yeah, he suffered enough. That's all tonight on another episode of CSI Pittsburgh. Hey, Petty Cab! Pedicab! Pedicab! How much for a ride at Churchill? It's the DV Morning Show. That's Zeppelin. Communication breakdown. Jimmy Page. Communication facilitator. No breakdown. Showed up and uh, settled the dispute. Well, Robbie Williams probably isn't very happy about it. <laughs> but Jimmy Page gets his peace and quiet back. He's like, I'm trying to mix down Zoso for the 58th time. <laughs> Rich people in mansions oh, fighting. Man. I'm having a hard time remastering everything <laughs> in the Zeppelin catalog again. <laughs> the sounds of your indoor pool making are screwing everything up for the me. vibrations. <laughs> So, so many concerts going on tonight. You have the Decemberists at uh, the Benidim. Royal Blood, who's awesome. They killed it when they opened for uh, Queens of the Stone Age. They're at Stage AE. Tomorrow, Dave Matthews 
is out at KeyBank Pavilion. Justin Timberlake is at PPG Paints Arena. Frank Turner is at Stage AE. And Mavis Staples kicks off the Three Rivers Arts Festival, not to mention metal Grammy nominees, Code Orange, Pittsburgh's own, Capagrads. They're going to be at Mr. Small's and uh, the operas at South Park. For the Allegheny County Summer Concert Series. That's Huge weekend. To Saturday, summer. Kenny Huge. Chesney all day. Jack White at X-Fest. At X-Fest, X-Fest. out of KeyBank Pavilion. Pavilion uh, Journey and Def Leppard will be at PPG Paints Arena. The Deutschtown Festival has a uh, like a, a preview show in Market Square. Andre Costello uh, in the Cool Miners, Grand Piano, Lo-Fi Delphi in the Lopez performing there. Billy Price back in town at Moondogs. And Tommy James and the Shondells at the uh, casino, at Meadows Casino. Wow. That's... And then you got River City Brass out at Hartwood on Sunday. There is more music in the next few days than there was in all of 2003. (laughs) I'm serious. I need like a concert Sherpa. I need somebody to guide me through this. There is so many more... There are so many more choices than there used to be in this town. Hopefully you'll you'll have an opportunity to see some music in the next few days because boy, there is plenty of top notch concert viewing. It's like a it's like a, a festival in Pittsburgh. Just huge shows all Everywhere. over the place. So pick one and go. Mike's got your sports when we come back. Golden Knights uh, let the Capitals tie it up in the Stanley Cup final. Musgrove stops the bleeding for the Buckos. Sports next. DVE Sports. Mike Fasuda. With your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Sports is all brought to you by BobbyRayHall.com. The Washington Capitals were trying to finish off Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final last night by protecting a one-goal lead late, but a fortuitous bounce off the boards set Vegas up for what appeared to surely be the game-tying goal, except it didn't work out that way. Here's Doc Emmerich and the boys on NBCSN. The edge of the crease, and now the hash marks as it's still back in. And set a coast. Oh, and it didn't go. It was tucked with a wide open net. Incredible stop by Braden Holtby. It's an adventure right there. Now watch this. The puck goes across. Tuck has a wide open net. And the paddle of the stick. Holtby. In Washington, they'll be calling this the save. Now as he comes off the ice, Gavati Smith's right next to him. He goes, that's got to be the save of the year. Yeah. Absolutely the save of game two, and it uh, got the Caps home. They win it 3-2. to two. It was uh, eerily similar to a play at the conclusion of game one when Washington was trying to tie the game with the goaltender pulled, and Lars Zeller had a wide-open net from uh, the crease area, and he was unable to finish, thanks in part to Braden McNabb of Vegas getting stick on stick. And uh, that puck stayed out for Washington in game one last night. The puck stayed out for Vegas in game two, and Caps head coach Barry Trotz thought there was a reason for that. Uh, to me, it was the hockey gods. They evened it up from last game. I mean, you know, we, we had a... a could have tied it up. We didn't. I thought Braden was real good, but I just think we were played the right way. Uh, the hockey gods always sort of even it out. You know, I always talk about that. So um, that was a great save. Uh, you know, obviously with 159 left, um, you could see the, the the emotion on our bench. That was once once he made that save, I I knew we were going to win the game. 
Yeah, I don't know if uh, the rest of the bench felt that way. Uh, there was a shot of Alex Ovechkin in the immediate aftermath of that save, and he, he was sitting on the bench, and he had his elbows on the boards, and he just put his head in the palms of his hands like the universal, oh, my God, did that just happen? Uh, thank you, gesture. hockey gods. Uh, that's that's as good as ex- as good an explanation as any for what I've seen in the first two games, the hockey gods. It is just phenomenally competitive. I don't know if these teams have five more games in them at this. It's fun to watch at this level of intensity and engagement. Uh, they just keep coming at each other. It's uh, the hockey gods. Really fun to watch. The Vegas the- fans are pretty incredible. Um, yeah, those games are fun to watch. The pre games are a little nuts, but <laughs> it's like, Vegas, man. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, I like anything that separates the NHL as you know, kind of unique and a uh, little bit out of the mainstream. You're saying there probably won't be a, a cello concert before the Super Bowl? <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. With everybody wearing the jerseys. That was a nice touch. Or there won't be like a parade of like steel workers if we make it to the AFC Championship coming out and doing like some sort of version of stomp before the game. And, you know, pretending to beat up all kinds of guys dressed up like Robert Morris or something before we play the Patriots. <laughs> Here's my question. Why not? <laughs> yeah, really, good point. I, mean, I want to see that. Well, Heinz Field is not exactly always in great shape, so we no. can't have people trampling all over the place. But Especially after the uh, whippeals. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Two layers of sod. I just, you know, it, it looked pretty even going in. Vegas was the favorite in Vegas. Not a huge Because favorite, they're Vegas. But the favorite. Right. Uh you just don't know what's going to happen next, including Brooks Orpik getting a game-winning goal. What is the uh, the stat? Was it two years since he's had a goal? 220 games, including playoffs. He had gone without a goal. That's incredible. His last goal was February the 26th, 2016. <laughs> Save that puck. Reeves is scoring in the Stanley Cup final. Brooks Orpik is scoring. There were two guys in the NHL this year that played 80 games and did not score a goal. Orpik was one of them. Uh, the, the name of the other guy escapes me, but he was playing for Team USA in the World Championship, and he actually scored one in the World Championship. So now everybody's got one. <laughs> and the Capitals uh, may or may not have Evgeny Kuznetsov. They only had him for uh, less than five minutes last night. He left the game after a hard hit due to an upper body injury. It's not looking good for Wild Bill Carlson if the hockey gods get retribution, right? Somebody gets injured from the Vegas Knights in the next game to to even that up. Oh, I don't know. Did that did that even up uh, Marsha's show? I guess he came back, so that one doesn't count, right? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a hockey god. They uh they do what they do. Uh, more fun with numbers. Uh, teams that uh, win game two since 1939 have gone on to win the cup 74.4 percent of the time. We had told you after game one, the teams that win game one win it 78.2 percent of the time. So which percentage do you favor i guess 78 is more than 74 but it's that close yeah it's maybe closer than that can go either way game three coming up saturday night in dc pirates got- how do you think flower looked by the way i think he looks okay i don't think he looks i'm not critical but i don't think he looks great he doesn't look difference making hope he obviously came up with that save last night which made all the difference in the world uh, the the first goal was another one of those cross crease passes. It was a it was a whacking into an empty net. 
most people think Flurry had to come out and cut down the angle on that, but I'm seeing that play a lot, and it, it, it seems to me Washington is having opportunities at wide open nets uh, more than should be comfortable for Vegas if you're looking at it from the Vegas perspective. Now, they're not finishing on these plays. They're hard plays to finish. And uh, even Gerard Gallant was talking about that goal last night. He said it was a perfect play. But uh, he's playing very aggressively. And uh, the Caps uh, are seemingly working around that. And uh, they've got seven goals in, in two games. Three should be enough to win. And they've gotten three both games. They've had a third-period lead in both games. The Orpic goal deflected off at least one Vegas player. Might have gone off two. It was, it was a little pinball-y, a little it, lucky. There was nothing he was going to do about that. And uh, Ovi's power play goal, Alex Ovechkin scored a power play goal on a cross-crease pass. It went right through the blue paint. Now, Ovechkin's wide open, and he's not going to miss from where he was. And Flurry's got to go right to left on that. But he's also got to try to stop the pass, I think, which he didn't do. Uh, you can't let that puck get to Ovechkin if it goes through your crease. Right. So, you know, I'm not saying he's playing poorly, but he looked uh, at times unbeatable in these playoffs. You know, he came in, his goals against was le- less than two. His save percentage was around 950. Just He had absurd numbers through the first three rounds, and he looks mortal right now. Do you think it's because he knows all of Pittsburgh is watching? Because I think it's because like- the Caps are pretty good. My dad shows up to my little league game and I strike out five times. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't show up and I hit for the cycle. Caps have some firepower. He beat him last year. He did. We'll see. It's fun to watch. Yeah, uh, it's Pittsburgh an, still anybody uh, series has to has to be in the the, the top four ratings wise for game two. I would yeah. imagine everybody was tweeting about it. Everyone was talking oh, yeah. about it last night. We were number three in uh, game one and we beat out Baltimore, which given you know. Right, that it's like a DC suburb is pretty. Yeah, there's a funny little dynamic down there, though. Uh, I think it shows up more in baseball because they don't have two hockey teams right. or two football teams. But there's a distinct ball. Oh yeah, no, Orioles, sure. Washington well, Redskins, Nationals, Ravens. Sure, yeah. And you know, oh, they do have two football teams. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about the Ravens. Mm-hmm. But uh, that DMV area, there's you, so many people. There's a lot of crossover. Yeah. Um, th- this is just a great series. This is everything I thought or was hoping it would be. And it's more. Is that how you'll describe the Pirates Cubby series? You know, the Pirates got one they needed uh, from the guy they needed too. Maybe, Musgrove, the stopper. Somebody once said, "You don't always get what you want, but if you try, sometimes, sometimes you get what you need." And that get- fight or the non-fight, the clearing of the benches, was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Most baseball uh, situations like that are. Everybody runs on the field. Nobody wants to fight. Nobody throws a punch. Uh, Joe Musgrove went into second base hard. Uh, Breaking up a double play, and Javier uh, Baez. Baez didn't like it. Baez said that Musgrove apologized to him. He goes, he said, hey, what was that all about? And Musgrove said, sorry. And he said, and that was really the end of it. My question is, why is Musgrove apologizing? Uh, Musgrove just said he, he went in hard, and they went in hard on uh, Diaz a couple games earlier, and he was doing the same thing. He said he wasn't trying to hurt him, but it was a hard slide trying to break up a double play. I, are you still allowed to do that? Is there any element of baseball? He went over to the bag. Yeah. I guess they didn't like the way he popped up. I don't know. I don't know. What else are you supposed to do? Hey, what was that? I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, now this is awkward. Both the bullpens are running towards us. I don't know. Musgrove looked good again last night. What if the Vasquez. Bull- what if the bullpens just fight each other out in the outfield? 
It's a great, uh, it's a great thought. Why do they, they have, why do they have to run all the way into the infield? Point. Because you know those bullpen guys. They have to warm up first. Get a get a nice some cardio in before they fight. I like back in the day when they used to ride the golf cart from uh, the bullpen yeah. out there. Like it would have been cool if they would have the come baseball. riding in like Mad Max. <laughs> yeah, right. The Ready baseball to... with a hat on it, then a guy in the back banging a drum and yeah. throwing flaming spears. That'd be some good entertainment. Maybe they'll do that for Game Five in Vegas. A little demolition derby. Uh, Musgrove went seven innings last night. He gave up a run in the first inning and none thereafter. It wasn't uh, dominating. Seven hits, four walks, and five Ks, but. Uh, good enough to win and man did almost the a blown save, almost, almost. You know what they call almost losing? I know, but I'm just saying winning. After uh, what did he blow three in a row? Two in a row. Had blown three in a row. Three in a row. Well, Ugh. we were joking, Mike, yesterday about him needing to pitch a complete game because our bullpen has just been in meltdown mode. Yeah, Kyle Crick got him through the eighth inning, and uh, Felipe Vasquez. Uh, Got the save in the ninth. Bucks are in St. Louis tonight. Steelers OTA number five did not uh, proceed without incident. ESPN.com's Jeremy Fowler reporting the offensive tackle Gerald Hawkins suffered a torn quad. And Mike Garofalo of the NFL Network said tight end Jake McGee uh, suffered what is believed to be a torn Achilles. McGee tweeted yesterday, quote, definitely sucks, but I will always stay positive in the negative times. You hate damage in OTAs. Tough break for that kid. Another one. And Hawkins was uh, in position to be the number three tackle, the the Chris Hubbard role from last year. And uh, it looks like uh, that job is going to fall to uh, Chuck Wuma Okafor, the number three third-round pick out of Western Michigan. That's a little scary. A little bit. Got to have depth. You never know. That's sports. All right, on the way for you, Val Porter will have uh, a news update, and author John Hodgman will be joining us to talk about his new book, Vacation Land. You know John Hodgman is Judge John Hodgman, of course, Daily Show contributor. Uh, he's going to be starring again in the uh, the series The Tick. So he's uh, starting to pick up some more acting roles as well. But the very funny John Hodgman will be on the show next time. It's the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman along with Val Porter, Bill Crawford. We added another show to our DVE Comedy Festival. Burt Kreischer is staying overnight. It's a sleepover. And then he's going to do the uh, Burt Cast live. His podcast uh, will be performed uh, at the Rex Theater, 9 p.m. on Saturday night, June 30th. It's the fourth show we've added to our DVE Comedy Festival lineup. Get tickets at dve.com starting tomorrow. And uh, that's going to be fun. We have Doug Benson's Doug Loves Movies podcast before Burt. So that ought to be a blast, too. Also at the Rex Theater. And, of course, those always start at 4.20 p.m. <laughs> with good reason. Get tickets now for Doug Benson. And now you know Burt's staying. Well, uh, <laughs> it, it should make for a fun day at the Rex Theater. So get your tickets for Doug Loves wait. Movies right I now at db.com. And you'll be able to buy tickets for the Burt cast tomorrow. At dve.com. I still think he should have taken my suggestion when Bert was looking for names for his podcast. I told him to call it the Bert Locker. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a great name. Yeah. It would have been great. So good. He was like, oh, I, th- <laughs> I, I thought maybe he was going to do it. Bertcast is perfect, too. Uh, and the podcast is hilarious because, as you pointed out, it's uniquely Bert. Yeah, I mean, he just binge drinks and talks to somebody, and they start telling stories, and then you forget where you are. I was just watching yesterday. He wasn't binge drinking, but he was talking to Rob Riggle. He just gets you know big big name comics, big name stars mm-hmm. to come hang out, 
and uh, and BS, and it's going to be an intimate show at the Rex because it's a, a smaller venue. Mm-hmm. It's going to be awesome. Here's uh, Bert talking about his uh, his youngest daughter. One day, uh, so we're renovating the house. We have uh, we're all getting sick. We can't stop getting sick. <laughs> and I realized that we're all sharing a bathroom, and there are nine toothbrushes in there. So I go, yo, everyone. Come in, grab their toothbrush. The reason we're getting sick is all our toothbrushes are running a train on each other. I go, <laughs> grab your toothbrush. I'm throwing the rest out. I looks at me dead serious and goes, we have different toothbrushes? <laughs> I go, yeah, we have different toothbrushes. Wait, which one do you use? She goes, I use the dry one. I go, how do you know which one's dry? She goes, I put them in my mouth. I'm like, <laughs> I, could, I, I could run. I could tell you 10 minutes on toothbrush stories on this child. <laughs> so Bert Cast is going to be performed live 9 p.m. The Rex Theater, Saturday, June 30th. Tickets go on sale tomorrow. And as I said, those tickets for Doug Loves Movies for Doug Benson's podcast uh, go are, are on sale now. And uh, there are some remaining for that, but that's going to sell out too. So make sure you, you get on board there dve.com uh vice.com asked people to submit their craziest ambient experiences now in the wake of roseanne bar claiming hey i was on ambien you do crazy stuff on ambien you know how you tweet racist stuff come on we've been there if if she hadn't previously tweeted similar racist tropes in the past i might be more inclined to believe her because ambien does make you do really ridiculous stuff there's no doubt about that val if i took the stuff i would have a feast because a lot of people eat on Ambien. And you already eat in the middle of the night. I've I've done real well. I'm probably two months with no no eating at night. Good for you. Did you get locks on the cupboards or Uh, how'd you do it? um, I know. It's like... (laughs) I just... uh, It's uh, mind over matter. I think those CBD oils help me sleep and I think that's part of it too though. Ambien, I've heard a a lot of sleepwalking stories. Here's our, here are some of the submissions to vice.com. Uh, Rachel from San Diego. I took an Ambien, went to sleep, woke up, forgot I'd taken an Ambien, took another Ambien. Oh my went God. to sleep, woke up, forgot I'd taken an Ambien again, and took another Ambien. I slept 48 hours, probably could have seriously harmed myself. My boyfriend and my work thought I died. I stopped taking Ambien after that. Um, I'd had a few more, says Jennifer from Jupiter, Florida. I've had a, more than a few, rather, ambient adventures, but in 2016, a trend started to emerge. First, I apparently switched all my phone notification alerts to Chewbacca sound effects during the night. It scared That's the, what you would a girl do. after I your heart. Def- I would definitely do that. It scared the crap out of myself when the Wookiee cries came screaming out of my phone the next day. Soon after that, I called my friend at 217, 2.17 a.m. one morning to tell her I needed my Chewbacca veins treated on my legs and for her to book me an appointment immediately. Finally, though I have no recollection of it, I must have done some ambient shopping online because I was surprised one day with a package containing a Chewbacca tutu. A is Chewbacca che- tutu? Is this what Chewbacca is mom? It might be. Oh, Caliendo hates Chewbacca mom. Oh, God. Because she went viral and oh, had no real God, discernible he hate, talent? He, <sighs> call, he, he called me freaking out. He's like, see, here's what pisses me off. You know how hard it is to get a million hits <laughs> online? It's like I have to work my ass off to, for something like that. And a lot of good fortune has to be bestowed upon me. This lady put on a mask and laughed. And Didn't I'm, he then make a Chewbacca mom video? Yes. He did of it. like Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Like he, he did Trump doing yeah, Hillary, yeah. a Hillary mask. <laughs> and then laughed like Chewbacca mom. Um, <laughs> more ambient stories. 
uh, I tend to carry my cat to the kitchen pantry and put him in there before going back to bed, only to be woken up soon after when he cries to be let out. Ambien makes me a monster. So they were putting their cat in cupboard jail while they were on Ambien. Uh, Angela in Detroit says, I'm quite the chef on Ambien. My best worst creation that I found half-eaten the next morning was a hard taco shell filled with Gerber banana puree Ugh. and wasabi peas. Ooh. Dude, I bet that's good. You can get that down no at Taco way. for 11 bucks. Uh, Jamie from New York City says, I won over $6,000 playing online poker while wow, on Ambien. Well, that's not such a bad thing. Yeah, that's a pleasant surprise in the morning. Samir, Samira in Tallahassee has my favorite one because it comes with a picture. She says, uh, on Ambien, I found a lime walking around in my sleep. Found a lime, stapled that lime. And she has a picture of a lime with five staples in it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think we really need to, you know, put that in a different category. Like Roseanne has her own issues. What is ambient? Let's. Yeah. What is it? What's the pharmacology? Let's actually. Josh in Portland says, I'd taken a normal dose and went to lay down. I woke up like normal and my husband was missing his pubic hair. How is this not your favorite story? Oh, dude, I got you spit take. <laughs> ah, that hurt. Ah, dude, I, I was mid-sip. I know, dude. Ah. I saw your nice hot coffee. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. He shaved her man's shelf. Uh, he told me the night before I wanted to shave all of it off, and I did so using <laughs> massage cream. Ew. Was he also What's on that? Ambien and no, he didn't I, wake I, up when she was doing I, it? I, I don't even like shaved pubes. Yeah. So <laughs> that, was, uh, that was Josh in Portland. So Ambien makes you do really, really bizarre stuff, apparently. Yeah. And how many people take that? Here's for the flying, thing. for everything. If that guy was shaving pubes all the time, then, you know, you can't say, I don't know why I shaved pubes. I was on Ambien. It's like, no, you do it when you're not on Ambien. Then you can't blame something you do all the time on Ambien. Maybe. Shaving pubes is classic Dave behavior. Right. But this is clearly, yeah, that was the, all those stories are clearly bizarre things that these people don't normally do. Calling your friend at two o'clock in the morning and saying, I need my Chewbacca veins drained <laughs> is not normal behavior. You probably haven't done that a whole lot in the past. Roseanne has done the, the, the racist tweeting a when she wasn't on Ambien. So it's tough to just blame Ambien. I'm telling you, if she didn't have any of that history of doing this stuff, I'd believe her. Maybe she takes Ambien a lot. Ambien like, makes you nuts. Well, it, that would explain whatever psychosis she seems to have been going through lately. Um, I'll tell you who's not shaving their pubes when they're on Ambien. The Chewbacca lady. The Chewbacca lady. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Hair is uh, vital. You got to be careful, man. I think people take those Ambien... And uh, just think, oh, here's a get-out-of-jail-free card. This will knock me out for a while. Well, I always think about that when people fly and people have anxiety about flying and they take Xanax or something that knocks you out. I'm always deathly afraid to do that because then you just, you're just leaving your body out somewhere in public. Oh, right. Just a, you don't know where you're going. Right. You're in some disassociated place, like some in some kind of K-hole or something. Yeah. K-hole. <laughs> your body's just laying on a plane. You're just a bag with a face. <laughs> right. Just laying it's like, there. Dude, unless you've got a buddy system that's going to look after your body where you, when you go wherever you go, why would you do that? Be very careful on the ambient.
and never snort it. John Hodgman is going to be joining us at 845, Daily Show contributor. He's the author of the new book, Vacation Land. You might know him as Judge John Hodgman. He has a very funny column uh, in the New York Times all the time where he answers. It might just be online where he answers like nearly daily queries uh, to Judge John Hodgman, and he solves real-life problems. Today's New York Times Judge John Hodgman deals with somebody who uh, has a daughter who farts in the corner of her room. It's her fart corner, and her <laughs> her dad awesome. wants her to stop using yeah. the corner. Yeah, to just fart in. It's time to fart in the middle of the room. Right, fart everywhere. <laughs> uh, the initial Tiger Woods incident. Yes. Well, no, not the he initial on one. Ambien. No, the one where <laughs> he was arrested for DUI in 2017. That he was on Ambien. Oh, yeah, he yeah. might have just walked system. out of his house. He might have got hammered and uh, just, to, you know, as a habit, took Ambien to go to sleep and uh, got up in the middle of the night and decided he was going to visit the pancake waitress. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Penn said that he was on Ambien during a late show with Stephen Colbert appearance back in March. Um, oh, he's so weird, you would never know. He takes Ambien and then, like, meets with El Chapo. <laughs> Wait, what the hell am I doing here? Did you see that Patton Oswalt tweet where he's like, uh, uh, David Duke takes Ambien and he gets all like, <laughs> woke. PC. Yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> like, we have to create an environment for all races here. That would be great if it, work, if it worked inverted. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be all right. <laughs> Files got your news coming up next. Uh, we're going to talk about how much parents will spend every week this Reverse. summer to, en- to entertain their kids while they're off school. It's a I'm lot. I'm going to be like, look, I- I'm not doing anything with you today. Go to your fart corner. <laughs> Jimmy Page scored a small victory Tuesday in his battle with his London neighbor, singer Robbie Williams, who wants to <laughs> install an indoor pool in his mansion. Uh, Jimmy claims the construction would damage his home, Tower House. He attended a planning committee meeting on Tuesday at Kensington Town Hall. He's construction is causing all sorts of vibrations <laughs> and it's scaring my 17 year old girlfriend <laughs> his next album is just sounds of construction from robbie williams house with him yelling over it come on robbie you really need an indoor pool now i'm just trying to do my black magic by myself and the vibrations are knocking Alistair's text off. The Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Congratulations it's... to Jimmy Page for getting to keep his dungeon vibration free. For now. For now. For now. Till Robbie Rob, uh, Robbie Williams wants to put in another pool. Did, is Robbie, An outdoor pool. Is he still doing like hits over in the UK and stuff, Robbie? No idea. Robbie Williams. He made so much money in the uh, in the aughts. Dude had some major, major hits. Then I think he was like, "All right, I'm done." Cash and, out. Yeah, and he just became like a, you know, became like the fat in sync guy. Here's the <laughs> Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. And true love it. It's 73 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Well, this is something that I think President Trump did yesterday that's kind of cool. The Right to Try Act is the law of the land after being signed by the president. The measure aims to give hope to dying patients. In a White House ceremony yesterday, Trump said the bill allows terminally ill patients to seek experimental, potentially life-saving uh, treatments 
that haven't been fully cleared by the FDA. Right-to-try laws already exist in more than three dozen states. Critics say right-to-try laws weaken the FDA and could lead to the abuse of risky medications that have not been fully tested. If you have a wireless internet router in your home, turn it off and turn it back on as soon as possible. The FBI is urging all households and businesses to do the simple reboot to avoid being compromised by Russian-linked cyber attackers. I don't know how turning it off and on will protect you in the future, but... I can't remember. I did it already. Did you? Uh, The attackers are using VPN filter malware to gain access to consumer routers and making them inoperable. A public service announcement from the FBI warns the malware can potentially also collect information passing through the router. Detection and analysis of the malware's network activity is complicated by its use of encryption and misattributable networks. The VPN filter malware can affect routers made by Linksys, Microtic, or Microtic, and Netgear. The fix, they say, is as easy as turning it off and turning it back on. And if that doesn't work, then you should reset and wipe it clean. How many dudes are listening to this right now and you're just going to go home after work today and be like, honey, I know how we're going to keep away from people spying on us. We got to turn the router off and then turn it back on again. again. (laughs) And then we're all set. That's every like Luddite's answer to fixing anything electronic anyways. Turn it on, turn it off, turn it back on again. It's... You try turning it off and then turning <laughs> it back sure on again? I, uh, I did it uh, as soon as I read about this on Monday. Mm-hmm. Something weird has been happening with my phone calls, though. I may be under surveillance. I don't know. When I'm talking to somebody, it'll like do the max headroom thing. So if I was mm-hmm. like, Val, I'm going to be a little bit late for work, 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 work. Oh. Hmm. Are you a robot? No. Or- but it's and then other people it's doing it when they're talking to me. And I looked it up online and some people said that happens when a phone conversation is going through Wi Fi sometimes because it's being transmitted much the same way as like over. it's like a digital send. But not if you're using a cell phone, it won't do that. But if you're connected via Wi Fi, it will do that. At least that's what I hope. I don't know. Well, now I'm getting calls like from telemarketers on my cell phone, which is a new thing that we're all kind of adapting to. Like usually I'd be like, how the hell did you get this number? But now it's like, oh, I bought a pack of gum at Rite Aid well, and had th- to give my phone number. The new thing, too, is they're mimicking your number. Oh, here's a phone number yes. that looks exactly like right. mine. That, that, that can't be harmful. I block every number. I don't. I hope I don't get charged for it because I might be in for a shock when no, I get, get my phone bill. But every <laughs> it's $10 number a block that, <laughs> that comes in, I don't recognize or doesn't leave a message. Blocked immediately. Block. I, you sons of bitches! Yeah, I. I think you're going to be blocking for a long time. Oh yeah, not in my house. Yeah, you have to tumbo all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Age plays a big factor in how people vacation. 18 to 20-year-olds mostly looking for adventure. Millennials between the ages of 22 and 37 want to spend time with friends and family. Gen Xers, those between the ages of 38 and 53, are into relaxation. While each age group does have different motivation, the survey found they all agree their favorite place to spend vacation time is definitely the beach. I get one day of relaxation, and I'm like, that was perfect. Let's rage. 
You, yeah, you are not a relaxer. I can't relax, man. But you're a Gen Xer. You, you relax, Val. I love to relax. Relaxing is pretty fun. But that, see, I look that look at that as you're more of an extrovert, and I'm have more introverted Last tendencies. Last time I, I went to the beach two months ago to relax, and I got in a fight on the beach with a guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's not was, very relaxing. Because he was reading out loud to his wife <laughs> some book called The Deep State. <laughs> what if he had really been reading like a beach reader? A better book. If he was reading, what, what a, if he was reading? I would, those I would probably been gray. like, "Could you please?" It was the best of times. Yeah, it was if, the if worst he was of doing times. Dickens, you know, maybe something different. But I mean, yeah, he was screaming about Obama and reading out of the book and all this stuff, and I was like, "The nerve!" <laughs> Of you, that guy. I'm like, you and show then, up the next day and just start reading Russian roulette out loud. Show up with fire and fury. You have all, the two of you have affected everybody else around you. The tension between where him and his wife were, were sitting and me and my girlfriend was palpable. She's like, <laughs> he definitely wants to fight you. And I'm like, good. Let's rumble. I'm bored. <laughs> I'll beat him with my boogie board. I've had one day of relaxation right. and I can't take any more. I don't remember what I was reading, but it was totally chill. You know, he's getting all Food worked Network up over magazine. there. <laughs> I don't know. I can't Probably remember. a rock bio. It was. I don't remember now. Well, speaking of the beach, if you are planning oh, to Glenn go. the Glenn Johns book, but still, Glenn Johns. If you're planning to go to Myrtle Beach for a vacation, you should probably know that more than 100,000 gallons of sewage has spilled into the waters off the coast. Where? Sounds relaxing. Myrtle Beach. Uh, the water quality there is being tested at several areas to make sure you're safe. Honey, I'm going to go and uh, take a nice relaxing dip into the poo water. <laughs> Just go to North Myrtle Beach. You'll be fine. <laughs> and uh, as we head into summer, Bill, you're a parent. Do parents hate summer? Uh, it does. It's there's a bit of uh, desperation there. Like a, my kids are going to all day camp <laughs> <laughs> every day. Yeah, the whole summer. <laughs> right. Uh, yes. This might make parents hate it more. Parents spend an average of one hundred seventy dollars per week entertaining kids during the summer. About twenty four bucks a day. That includes the cost of things like camps, amusement parks, sports and movies, other activities, new toys, books, trips, and dinners out. I hope my parents gave money to my friends' parents, where I spent all my time in the summer. Mm -hmm. You know, when like there was a lot of times I went to my aunt's house and hung out at her pool, but I also hung out at my friends. Like when I got a little older, I would be like at the, the Embler fam family pool all day, all the time, and I'd run in the kitchen like. This is where you feed kids, right? <laughs> All the kids. I'm a kid. <laughs> I qualify. What do you guys got? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, for 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 us, like the the insistence on some sort of activity happens. Like when I pick them up from school, they're walking up to the car. If my window's down, they're already asking before <laughs> they're in the car, and it pisses me off to no end. <laughs> And then we're fighting before we even get home. We walk into the house. Nobody's talking. Serena's like, what's what, what's going on? Is everything okay? I'm like, they won't stop asking for stuff. And when they ask for stuff, it's like, I say one line over and over and over again. I say, we don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> I go to your fart corner while me and mom try to have a conversation. You don't get to do something every single second of every day. Apparently you do. 
according to this story. Well, that, yeah, because everyone my generation is just filled to the brim with guilt. Yeah, I don't remember as a kid doing anything other than going outside to play. We went to Conneaut Lake for my dad's company picnic one day in the summer. And then we went, I remember going camping as a kid. But then you went fishing and you went to the beach. That wasn't like going to amusement parks or or beach vacations. We had a basketball hoop in our alley. It's like, go in the alley. Go throw walnuts. We'll see you in nine hours. Then the pumpkin head. Yeah. Ours was, uh, you know, go as far as your bike will take you. Don't get caught doing anything stupid. And, uh, you know, we didn't have a come home before the streetlights thing after a certain. Once you got to be like 12 or 13, it was like, if you don't come home, just tell us where you are. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's totally okay if you don't come home. We got enough people here. <laughs> <laughs> a Canadian family found out exactly what happens when the you know what hits the fan and the car and just about everything else in the surrounding area. Susan Allen and her son were stopped at a red light near their British Columbia home with a sunroof open to enjoy a lovely spring day. Suddenly, Alan said they were inundated with liquid poo falling from the sky, which flooded the vehicle and splashed all over the both of them. She said they did get a glimpse of the source. It was a passenger plane flying overhead at the time. But Dave Matthews. Rather than make a report, she headed directly to a car wash because she said uh, she and her child are both gagging from the smell. How would you even get it out of your car? I know. Go through the car wash with all the windows down? Yeah, I guess. Kelowna International Airport said it had received a complaint about the incident, but a rep said we understand there were no aircraft in the vicinity at that time. Sweetheart. Not sure where the liquid came from. Find a magic car wash. Find a magic (laughs) car. (laughs) A federal judge is rejecting an argument from the makers of Sesame Street that a new Melissa McCarthy movie is tarnishing the show's reputation. The upcoming film Happy Time Murders involves McCarthy's character working with puppets to solve brutal puppet murders. Sesame Workshop objected to the film's marketing with the tagline, No Sesame, All Street. Combined with what they said was violent, drug-using, and sexually active puppets in the trailer, it could fool viewers into thinking that it had something to do with Sesame Street, but a judge ruled the tagline actually distances the film from Sesame Street and that not too many people are going to get it confused. I think Jim Henson's rolling over in his grave, and his <laughs> kid really wants to cash in because he's unable to do so in in the wholesome manner in which jim henson was able to yes so he said screw it i'm going to the dark side and he directed this movie and it's got to make them all sick because i saw the trailer and it definitely made me laugh but i also kind of felt like oh man i don't want to see muppets doing a money shot you know what i mean yeah like yeah that's not cool nobody's been clamoring for that i didn't i saw the all ages trailer. Oh, it's well, or not all ages, but it wasn't the graphic one. Watch the uh, what's it called? The uh, red, the red band. Bo- red band. Yeah. Red box. The uh, the difference though is like I, it didn't bother me when the South Park guys did their puppet movie because mm-hmm. those I didn't grow up with those puppets. Right. It was not a kid thing. The Muppets are kind of like I don't know. It's like tarnishing the last 
wholesome thing I remember. There aren't any of the well-known Muppets in it, are there? It's just that type of puppet? Like Fozzie Bear is not in it? Or... No, it's not like, you know, Miss Piggy's not out there like, Give it to me, frog! You know. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, now, I don't know where... <laughs> no, that's Luke Bryan. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, I, looks, I, it looks like it's going to be very funny, and also I'm a little bit like, I wish I would have had a little more separation between what looks like Muppets to me. The plushies <laughs> probably love this movie. Oh, my <laughs> God. You can't wait for it. Yeah. The Beatles are set to release a limited edition Yellow Submarine 50th Anniversary 7-inch picture disc, according to a press release issued yesterday. The Instant Collector's vinyl release will feature Eleanor Rigby as a B-side and will be available July 6th. The release is related to the original animated film returning to theaters worldwide for a limited run starting on July 8th. And if you are going to see Royal Blood tonight at Stage AE, you'll notice frontman Mike Kerr isn't moving around all that much. That's because he broke his left foot during the band set at the Boston Calling Festival last Saturday. He wrote a note to fans that said, As many of you know, I was taken to hospital after our Boston Calling set. The x-ray revealed I have fractured my metatarsal, which has left me fairly debilitated as a result. Despite the injury, I've decided to continue with the upcoming shows. I'm doing everything within my superpowers to make this work, but regrettably... I will be not uh, not be dancing on stage for a while. I hope you understand and enjoy the show. So those guys tonight at Stage AE. Warm and humid, showers and thunderstorms, mid-80s for the high today. It's 74 at DVE. Uh, well, it was appropriate that you were bringing up all of that vacation material because we have author John Hodgman on the show coming up at 845 from The Daily Show. He's the author of the new book Vacation Land, in which he details his exploits vacationing on the <laughs> coast of uh, Maine and uh, living in New England. And uh, now that he's a father of two and he's kind of uh, taken on a different role in life than he's his previous memories and... of those. Yes, he's a he's a grown a, a, a grotesque beard. And John is uh, Judge John Hodgman, as you may know him, will join us at 845 to talk about that. Very funny dude. And looking Hilarious. forward to that. Stan Saver, 945. We're going to honor Stan today as well. Stanley is being honored by the Pirates later this afternoon. He and Bob Smysick are going to be included on the Pirate Media Wall of Fame. So Stan's going on a wall. Stan will be in in the 9 o'clock hour. Mike has your sports next. The Buckos have Musgrove help them stop the slide. And it's all tied up in the Stanley Cup final. After Hopi makes a remarkable save with two minutes left to preserve the win for the Capitals. 1-1. Mike's got full details now. DVE Sports. All right, Mike, proceeded with your sports right now. Before we get to it, Mike, what did you think of the Steelers' throwback unis? I think they look like the uniforms they wore in the 70s. They're block numbers now instead of rounded numbers. Yeah. For the throwback. Sure. Which I, love, I actually I thought they never should have gone away from that. Yeah, they're cool. They don't seem remarkably different from the ones they're wearing now. Not a whole lot, except for the blocks. Yeah. I'm all right with that. I love the block letters. What if they went with the gray uh, plastic face masks? Eh, you know. That can make it a little more throwbacky. I always thought if they were going to have a throwback, I thought their best one is the either the white or black with the golden triangle on the shoulders and the numbers under it, which they wore briefly in the 60s, I believe. 
I always thought those were pretty cool. Boswell should go with the single bar and go barefoot on throwback days. <laughs> I was not a huge fan of the Bumblebee, so I guess that's uh, progress. Those were dumb looking. But people seem to really like those. Every, I love Everywhere you went, particularly on the road, they were front and center. I love the Bumblebee jerseys. I'm telling you, what made that that uniform unbearable was the khaki pants. Yep. If they would have just had everything else completely murdered out, all black, those those would have been menacing. But think, instead, it just... I, I think know. their uh, Thursday night all blacks are, are quite stylish. Yeah. The colorways. Or the color rush. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly better than neon green or uh, fluorescent orange or some of the stuff we've seen. I wish they would do the baggy sleeves like they had in the 70s, though. They don't do those anymore, huh, Mike? They do not. So those throwbacks will be worn on October the 28th against the Browns. Browns are used to losing to the Steelers when they were wearing those uniforms. <laughs> then again, <laughs> since 1999, they're accustomed to losing to the Steelers and whatever the Steelers show up wearing. When the, when the Ravens have their throwback jerseys, shouldn't they be Browns? They should. <laughs> Just wear a Browns uniform. Somebody asked uh, a while back when baseball started doing that occasionally. Somebody asked George Steinbrenner why the Yankees don't have throwback uniforms, and he said, we're wearing them. That's the only thing I ever liked that he said. Yeah. Pinstripes now, pinstripes You know, you've forever. made it when your uniform is so classic that you just never mess with it. Because uh, it would be a crime. But they costanza it, though. You know, they went to a more a lightweight cotton. Got away from the wall. Yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> Capitals got it done last night in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final. Washington was facing a one-game-to-none deficit and trying to even the series. Toward that end, the Caps got what they needed from their captain, Alex Ovechkin. To Backstrom. John Carlson on to Backstrom again. Has Oshie inside. It's been across. It's on the pass across, and it's two to one. Tremendous puck movement. Carlson to Backstrom to Lars Eller, and he throws his puck through the blue paint. Usually when the puck is passed through the blue paint, you need your goaltender to prevent that puck from getting all the way across. Flurry tried, but it went right under the stick, and Ovechkin puts it to the back of the net. Yeah, that was uh, goal number two for Washington. Uh, Brooks Orpik added a rare goal uh, about four minutes after that one. Uh, Washington had a 3-1 lead after Orpik's goal and hung on for a 3-2 victory. Alex Ovechkin last night had his 13th goal of the postseason. Uh, he Took three shots on net, missed the net once. He also had five hits and a blocked shot. Did you see that little clip of him uh, while the pregame concert was going on? He was trying to fire up his team in the runway and uh, screaming in guys' faces, are you effing ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he is going after it in this series. There's I, no doubt. I don't know how it's going to end, but, but boy, you can just see how bad he wants this. He was all over uh, the ice. You know, he cleared the crease, too, when it was just the puck was just sitting there. Defensive play deep in his own end. Uh, whatever's required, he's doing it. Uh, a lot of guys on both teams are doing that. This is, uh, this is good stuff. Uh, the Capitals lost Evgeny Kuznetsov, the NHL's leading scorer, 
in the postseason. Uh, he got hit along the boards in the first period, played only four minutes and 26 seconds. But after Kuznetsov went down, the Caps head coach Barry Trotz thought he got what he needed from the rest of the guys. It, you know, you lose one of your top players on a, a little bit, but we consider a questionable hit. And the legal look at it, but your bench sort of, you know, rallies around it. Um, you know, obviously a guy like Lars Eller, you look at it, you know, all of a sudden Kuzi's not back, and Lars has to step into that role like he did with Backy um, in the, in previous Backy. series, and he just stepped up. And guys said, you know, let's dig in, let's, you know, everybody sort of got, we, we use the term, you know, everybody pulled on the rope, and um, you get an all-in mentality. And that, to me, that was... You know, it, it was a, it was t- uh, one of those things that galvanizes us as a group. Uh, I know how resilient this group has been all year. Um, I, I think uh, that that's uh, that might be a turning point for us. Yeah, I'll, I'll give them the resilience which uh, the Caps have showed all postseason. I don't know that this series is going to have a turning point though. I think I think it's going to end with somebody ahead by a goal in the third period of Game Seven. And the other team's going to be furiously attacking the net, trying to get the equalizer. Or maybe one of them's going to wear out before we get that that far. This pace is phenomenal. And and the physicality is phenomenal. Also, it's a lot easier to rally around a player being out for a game. If Kuznetsov is out for the series, it might be a turning point. Yeah. Against him. Not the way he was thinking. Uh, Lars Eller, uh, as Trotz mentioned, uh, had a goal and two assists, three points. In 71 career playoff games, he's had three points three times. All three of them have been this year. He did it in Game 2 against the Penguins. He did it in Game 2 against the Lightning. And he did it again last night in Game 2 against Vegas. Game 3 coming up on Saturday in D.C. The Pirates beat the Cubs 2-1 to one and... Uh, Got contributions from a lot of people along the way. Josh Harrison hit his second home run of the season in the bottom of the first. That tied things up at 1-1. Gregory Polanco got his 23rd RBI and first since uh, May the 15th on a sack fly in the second inning. That gave the Pirates a 2-1 lead. Joe Musgrove went seven innings, seven hits, one run, four walks, and five strikeouts. Kyle Crick got through the eighth inning clean, and then Felipe Vasquez managed to uh, close things out in the ninth. It did get a little adventurous. He gave up a couple hits in the ninth, but he was able to shut it down for his 10th save. Pirates improved to 29-26 and 26 on the season and salvaged one from the Cubs in front of 14,126 at PNC Park. Yeah, when they show the stands, they're real tight frame. They'll be in it's St- close-ups. They'll be in St. Louis tonight. Uh, there's going to be a lot more people. Then 14,000 and change in the stands. Steelers uh, OTA number five was a costly one. Uh, Offensive tackle Gerald Hawkins suffered a torn quad. That according to ESPN.com's Jeremy Fowler. And Mike Garofalo of the NFL Network reports that tight end Jake McGee suffered what is, quote, believed to be a torn Achilles. Ouch. That's sports. Thanks, Mike. Val, what do you got coming up? We'll talk about your biggest regrets and why you haven't achieved the things you've wanted to in life. Comedian, <laughs> author, John Hodgman, when we come back, you know him from The Daily Show. He's got a brand new book, Vacation Land, and we'll speak with John when we return. It's the DBE Morning Show. Author John Hodgman will be joining us in a couple minutes. His new book, Vacation Land, is out now.
Um, I want to read that. It's funny. I mean, I haven't read the entire book. I read, uh, I don't know, 25 pages, and uh, and then I started cruising through and just reading other sections of it to get an idea and a feel for what it's about, but uh, I'm looking forward to finishing it. My brother has a uh, interesting uh, habit of reading uh, obituaries. I don't know why. He, he he reads these like obituaries from the Erie paper, and because there seems to be like a whole bunch of unique ones up there. Him and my mom could have a great conversation. It's all my that. parents talk about is who died. Yeah, I read them too. Why? Just wondering what those their lives were like. I can actually. That's all right. But like, if you're like looking to see, like my dad like looks to make sure he's not in there. Well, I <laughs> <laughs> probably wait a minute. Once you get to a certain age and your friends start dying, you're kind of like, well, oh, who's who bit it this time? This was in the Erie paper yesterday. I love this. Robert Matthew C. Slack. Bobby, 53, passed away May 28th. And is rocking the streets of heaven like he did the streets of Union City. <laughs> yeah, baby. Wow, he sounds fun. I love this dude. He, they do the section. He survived by, and they went through all the people in his life. And, his twisted sister. Yeah. <laughs> his twisted sister and family. And uh, he said uh, many, it said many amazing aunts, uncles, cousins, friends, and family who are included in the town of Union City who embraced our Bobby with such kindness. hey <laughs> <laughs> So... He had a rough life. Said he was hit by a car at age eight, dealing with uh, severe heart disease, and then most recently cancer. Bob faced life's challenges head on and with his own style. Kept life interesting and colorful for all who knew and loved him. There was never a dull moment with Bob around. And they say instead, in lieu of uh, flowers, flowers, and all that, rock out, love a little deeper, be a little kinder. Take a walk around Union City and appreciate all the good that is right here in our town. Don't be afraid to live life perfectly imperfect. You just that might end up poetic. living quite a life and making quite a difference. What a message. I like that, stuff like that. Yeah. Live your life perfectly imperfect. Yeah. That's a good little thing to have in your obituary. Yeah. Our next guest will probably be great at writing obituaries. Author John Hodgman is Johnny, uh, <laughs> joining us right now. John, have you started to pen your own obituary yet or is that too narcissistic? <laughs> I was just working on it right now. John Hodgman. John Hodgman died while talking uh, to a Pittsburgh radio station <laughs> about his new book, Vacation Land in Paperback. Because what more could he want from life than that? <laughs> Thank you so much. It's over. I appreciate it. Finally, I can rest. He died doing what he loved, speaking to That's people right. he's never met in a town he rarely visits. Uh, I'm, well, that's true, but I, I, I haven't been there enough, is what I say. I like Pittsburgh a lot. It's the place where I saw my first ever actual NHL uh, game, the Pittsburgh Penguins playing another hockey club of some kind. <laughs> I've done shows in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I think some of the, you know, the Vacation Land, the book, started as a comedy show that I performed uh, at the Rex Theater. And Pittsburgh was the was the uh, one of the greatest overheard moments in my life. If any of your listeners are uh, architecture nerds, you know you're not far away from a very famous Frank Lloyd Wright house sure. called Falling Water. And now, you know, half of your listenership has fallen asleep listening to me <laughs> talking about the house. But bear with me. Cause we all go to Falling Water. We do, got, do you? Oh, yeah, we get culture. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I, I was in the hotel lobby getting ready for my show, and these two super bros got out of the, you know, got out of the uh, elevator, and you know they had like you know corduroy baseball hats on backwards, and it was and they basically it was ten o'clock in the morning, but they already had cans of Bud Light in their hands, and one of them says to the other. You ready to go see Falling Water, bro? <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was born for this. <laughs> well, you the most would... fascinating duos I've ever saw in my life. Uh, I, I wish I, I wish I could have canceled my show and just gone with them to see <laughs> how they enjoyed Falling Water, but they were really into it. Broly architecture nerds, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, you would you would love Pittsburgh. We're, we're full of all sorts of contradictions. Look at like these that. lines, bro. You know, one thing so I clean. One thing I noticed in uh, in the book Vacation Land is the star power of your blurbs is pretty impressive. So, I mean, yeah. you, you have uh, Michael Chabon, uh, G- George R. R. Martin, John Stewart. Uh, the list goes on and on of super famous people. And I guess my, right. my 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 question to you is: of all the blurbs included in the publication of the book Vacation Land, which blurbist read the least amount of pages? Do you think? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It, it's it's sort of amazing just looking through the, this paperback that just came out. Uh, how these all these incredible words that all these people said about me and the book, and you know, you're right. I've got dirt on a lot of people. There was a lot of blackmail involved. I've got pictures of George R. R. Martin that you would not believe. <laughs> You mentioned he gave no, you are... like a ge- like okay. a uh, uh, the the a coin at, at an after party yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. I tell this story in the book about meeting George R. R. Martin, and you know I'm a huge fan of Game of Thrones, both the books and the shows. And I, you know, I I I'm still on television sometimes. And I was at a big Emmy party in L.A. right after the Emmys. I'd gone out there with the Daily Show, and there's George R. R. Martin right there at the party and. You know, we had exchanged uh, some, you know, uh, uh, hellos on social media before, and he walked right up to me and he said, "John Hodgman," and he reached in his pocket and he handed me a coin of the faceless man. Now, if there are any Game of Thronesies out there, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a very big deal. That's what, that's what the the, the one assassin gives to Arya Stark uh, as a as a token of uh, uh, that he, he she could give that to anyone else and get help in this faraway country. It's a long story, but it was a big deal for me, right? Mm-hmm. Coin of the Faceless Man. I'm like, oh my God, I got something really special from George R. R. Martin. And then a year later goes by, Emmys roll around again. I'm very lucky to be able to be out there again. I'm at the same party. George R. R. Martin walks up and hands me another one. And I'm like, oh no, George, don't tell me. <laughs> don't tell me you're just walking around parties with a pocket full of coins of the faceless man, just, like, just to blow nerd minds as you go around. <laughs> there you go, boom, boom, boom. No, he's a super generous guy. Everyone was really wonderful. Um, I, I, there, at least one person, you know, I, I have a deal with with uh, with my readers. Uh, it's something we worked out special with the publisher. If you buy the book Vacation Land. It absolves you of the obligation to read it. If you buy it, you don't have to read it. That's that's a little gift from me to you. And I offer the same uh, the same option to the people that it was sent to for quotes. Uh, I am I am certain. I know at least one person did not read it at all. Uh, but I was touched John by the number of people who actually did read it. What? I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear that. He's not well, he complained about the font size, so I imagine he was like, "All right, I've had enough." 
John Stewart is, you know, is someone who changed my life in every possible way by having me on The Daily Show, first to promote my first book and, and then inviting me back to be a member of the cast. Um, you know, my life was transformed by John Stewart, and he's only ever been incredibly supportive of me, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, I'd heard he actually so read... Him to offer me a quote. I heard he actually read a lot of the... Like, when he had authors on, he would read the book. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is true. He went so my first book was called The Areas of My Expertise and that was a very different kind of book that was absurdist. It was a book of lists of fascinating trivia and and historical true facts that I had made up completely. So <laughs> right. instead of a list of the nine US presidents who smoked cigars, it was a nine U- list of the nine US presidents who secretly had hooks for hands. <laughs> I tell absurd Monty Python-esque stories about it. And I know that that really that, that John had read it because he 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 knew a lot of the re- the deeper weirder cuts in the book, mm-hmm. including my list of seven hundred uh, seven hundred nicknames of hobos in the nineteen twenties. And so he definitely did he definitely did do his homework when 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 uh, when he was doing those interviews, and that was that was very gratifying. So much of but, you know, vacation land. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, so much of Vacation Land centers on uh, Maine and the beaches of Maine and and vacationing and living in New England and Pittsburgh. Our vacation go-tos typically are south. So I was going to ask okay, you, what's... You well, I mean, you'll people will go to North Carolina or Virginia or Florida, and I was going sure. to ask you what the difference is uh, between the beaches of New England and beaches of the southern United States. Oh, yeah. Well, you guys will go to, say, the Outer Banks of North Carolina, for example, right. or mm-hmm. you know, the, be- the beaches of the Mid-Atlantic. Um, I think because you guys enjoy pleasure, <laughs> maybe you, think you, maybe you, des- you feel like you deserve happiness. <laughs> I, I'm, I live in New York. I'm originally from New England. I'm from Massachusetts, and we don't feel that way. We, we, don't, sure, we don't deserve happiness, and so we go north. <laughs> To, to places like Maine, which is called Vacation Land. There's a sign as you, as you cross the, the bridge from New Hampshire into Maine that says, Welcome to Vacation Land, which is a kind of a cruel joke because it, why would you go on vacation to a place where the, 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 the water is made of hate and wants to kill you? The minute you get into the ocean, your whole body screams, and then you, you, you rush back immediately to a beach that offers no refuge because it's made out of sharp rocks and shells. It's terrible. <laughs> I, but I, I think that people of people of the, of New England and the Northeast and the and the other poor souls who become obsessed with Maine because it does become an obsession, they they love Maine because it's not a pleasant place to be all the time. It's a rugged place that reminds you that nature doesn't care whether you live or die or ever were here, and it, and some people like to go on a vacation where they just feel a lot of existential dread. Um, <laughs> Well, a, a famous Pittsburgher went there. Rachel Carson, uh, you know, spent a lot of time in uh, on the uh, oh, so? on the coast of Maine. Yeah, that's where she uh, one of her, I think her second or third book uh, was all about the sea, and she would walk down to the rocks on the on the coastline and study uh, the marine life uh, while trying to traverse the the jagged rocks on the coast. Right, and she wrote Silent Spring, right? Yes, right. Yeah, so she she was absolutely. Preoccupied with the end of all things. That's right. Where Maine is, that's right. Existential dread filled her veins. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, but I mean, come come visit. After all, it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> it is a gorgeous place. 
John, I heard you talking about we're all dying. You might as well you might as well accept it. And Maine is a good place to remind you of that. I heard you talking about Maine on uh, on NPR, and you were basically um, describing Maine humor is basically just giving people the wrong directions to places. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, the most I mean the the most famous. So Maine humor is an arguable style of comedy that mostly involves someone with a very thick accent giving uh, someone from away bad directions. It's the classic, you can't get there from here kind of deal. Uh, the, 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 the most famous uh, Maine humor, uh, 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 I guess you would say pr- performers, although it was really just one guy, it was called uh, Bert and I. And, and it was this one guy, Marshall Dodge, he wrote these stories with his friend Robert Bryan, but he performed the Marshall Dodge, and he would tell stories from the point of view of a lobster fisherman and telling a story about his stern man, Bert, and how they would go out in their boat and then they'd get hit by another boat and almost drown, and then that was the end. They're kind of weird stories. And he tells them in this really flinty main accent. And I was just listening to this vinyl copy of Bert and I live on stage from 1977, and this is like the sixth time I've listened to this album, and I still don't understand any of the words. <laughs> and it literally, it's just like da 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 and that uh, pause, ba ba, raucous laughter and applause. Like, I don't think. And the amazing thing is, I don't think the audience in this recording understood what he was saying either. They just heard the mute, like they heard the, the rhythm of story and knew when to laugh. And I was like, <laughs> this is some of the more Andy Kaufman weird stuff. Like if he's saying, saying nonsense words and getting them to laugh, he may be the best comedian of all time. I spent a couple of days in Portland last <laughs> summer and I felt like there was one commonality between Pittsburghers and uh, Portlanders. It was that every, and I was by myself uh, for the first uh, day and a half. And everywhere I went, people just started talking to me. Like they were, yeah, they, they were very friendly and talked as if uh, I knew what was going on or I was part of their, their entourage. There's usually the older uh, folks, but I found uh, everybody very friendly and affable. Uh, but they included me right in whatever curmudgeon, uh, tale they were about to, you know, embark on. But they they definitely had that same sort of Pittsburgh edge in, in a way. Yeah, like you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, Maine is a friendlier place than maybe I give it credit for. I'll tell you, older folks love to talk to, to people because they're lonely and, 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 uh, and dying. That's why I call it a radio station. You know what I mean? Like, they need to talk to someone. You know, there's that. Portland, Maine has become a real destination for retirees because it's relatively temperate with regard to Maine, and it's got some beautiful coastline and ferries and great food and everything else. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is there is that element of, like, People will talk to you in Maine, but sometimes you, sometimes you kind of wonder, like, what are you doing? Are you playing a trick on me? <laughs> there is that edge of, like, what, you know, like, you're recommending this restaurant. Am I going to go there and be murdered? Is that what's happening? <laughs> Vacation Land Normally, is, in, is in paperback. I just wanted to tell our listeners, John Hodgman, uh, the author, is with us right now. And it, I, I didn't get to read all of it. Uh, I, w- I went through as much as I could, and I, I really well, I loved it. I, thought- your, I appreciate your candor. <laughs> Oh no! I mean, I got He's about ready to give a blurb, though. Yeah, I, 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 I am fully 
uh, qualified to give a blurb based on some of the people's writings in here. I definitely <laughs> I, could I, actually I, reference the text much more than Patton Oswalt. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. Thank you for reading even some of my book. Well, you know, one thing I noticed is you had a blurb in, yeah. or you had a piece in there about uh, Anthony Bourdain going to West, uh, a town in Western Mass. I think it was Greenfield. And everybody was all excited yeah. because their culinary... Um, uh, uh, evolution was about to be revealed to the rest of the world, and, uh, and then it, you got really bummed out when you, all he did was focus on the opioid uh, problem in the area. And Pittsburgh, the same thing happened here. Yep. He, he came here for parts unknown, and we we're all excited. <laughs> it was a real downer. Yeah, Anthony Bourdain is is not going out there in the world to make everyone feel good. I mean, I think he has a nice time. Right. <laughs> he has a good time on his shows. Sure. Yeah, no, uh, you know, Greenfield, Massachusetts is the, the biggest town near this place where, where, you know, my wife and I had this home that had belonged to my mom. And, you know, like a lot of rural communities... They're trying. They're they're tr- they're trying to ride anything back to prosperity that they can find. Because of mm-hmm. course, all the manufacturing uh, in Western Massachusetts, the 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 shoe mills and the furniture making, the textile and paper mills, you know, they're all gone. So what they're hoping for is to take advantage of this new food movement and young young people who can't make a career in cooking in Boston because it's too expensive to open a restaurant, move west to western Massachusetts, sure. a very fertile valley, or up here to Portland or whatever. And they're really happy and proud, and the food is fantastic. So Anthony Bourdain coming around, everyone's like, hooray, finally Greenfield will be known for something other than just you know, having a huge amount of uh, halfway houses and prisons. But uh, that's, all, that's, that's all Anthony Bourdain wanted to talk about. I was like, who's doing heroin around here? Right. <laughs> <laughs> John Hodgman's Vacation Land. It's in paperback. It's very funny. Continued success. It was a real pleasure uh, speaking with you. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing the next. Is, is everything going to be now? Uh, 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 not, you're not going to go back to fiction at all? Are you just going to write all so, sort of mostly true tomes going forward? I think the next, you know, I'm working on a new book, and it will be more of these sort of personal, true, funny stories from my life as opposed to less absurd stuff. Uh, that's just where I'm at right now. We'll see what happens in a couple of years. You know, writers don't, writers don't choose their material. They just steal it from the world around them, and this is what I was able to steal. <laughs> well, I hope you go back to the absurdist stuff, too, because I'm a big fan of all of it. And uh, John I Hodgman. I do appreciate that. Appreciate it. And best of luck uh, uh, with acting, too. I saw you, you signed back on with The Tick, right? Yeah, I got to go back and start work on the tick uh, uh, next week. Uh, season two coming out on Amazon very soon. Good deal. Thanks, John. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Okay, man. We'll see you. That's John Hodgman, Vacation Land in paperback, and uh, it is. It's really funny. And if you're a fan of John Hodgman, every page makes you laugh. There's this. He talks about going to see a therapist mm-hmm. in college, and they had like a, a thing where it was it was kind of like, uh, you know, when you can get your hair cut at a place really cheap because they're learning. Yeah. They had a similar Teaching. thing in New York where there's like these like up and coming uh, psychologists and you know who are still in school in school. Well, the shrinks to of tomorrow. <laughs> just the the way he describes that, you know, how they are a forced friend for you at that point. They got to listen to everything. <laughs> right. it just doesn't matter. They have to just sit there. It's we a- had one of those when Serena delivered the first baby. Oh yeah, yeah. I kicked him out. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, hey, I'm tagging along. Uh, I go to pit. I'm with the dog. I said, get the hell out of here. <laughs> Did you really? You're not oh learning anything in here. The wheels had fallen off. We're at like hour 35. <laughs> this kid's trying to, can I charge my phone in here? <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to get a credit. No. <laughs> 
Can you guys at least just sign this Come to on. say I was here for the delivery? Can I use you as a reference? Okay. Uh, Vice.com asked people to submit their craziest ambient experiences. Now, in the wake of Roseanne Barr claiming, hey, I was on Ambien, you do crazy stuff on Ambien. Ambien, I've heard a lot a lot of sleepwalking stories. Here's our. Here are some of the submissions to Vice.com. What is Ambien? Let's yeah, what is it? What's the pharmacology? Let's actually get into this. Portland says, I'd taken a normal dose and went to lay down. I woke up like normal, and my husband was missing his pubic hair. <laughs> How is this not your favorite story? Oh, dude, I got you spit take. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurt. Oh, dude, I, I was mid-sip. I know, dude. Oh. I saw you nice hot coffee. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Randy Bellman and the DVE <clears throat> Morning Show. Oh, yeah. A little clear your throat I'm on sorry. the air there. Sorry, I <clears throat> the mute button. I don't. I maybe does I your mute button work one. there, Valerie? That worked that time. Okay. Maybe I hit the talk back button instead. Thanks to uh, John Hodgman for joining us to talk about his book, Vacation Land. Super funny guy. Stan Saverin will be on 945. Stan's being honored today by the Pittsburgh Pirates. He'll be included on the Media Wall of Fame. I feel like we should have some kind of trumpet. Yes. Reception for should him. Like do when a he mouth comes trumpet. Or are you talking no, about like a real one? No, way more spectacular than yeah. the mouth trumpet. An official one. Like very... Um, Coming to America the... <laughs> Yeah, well, not chorale. Well, I don't know. What is the word I'm looking for? I don't know. I have no idea. Coronation day? Yeah. Something spectacular. No. No. I think that's... Too kingly, more celebratory, but de- definitely not taps. <laughs> I heard a guy playing that the other day out in his yard. Just, I'm like, what's going to happen? I was praying I didn't hear like a <laughs> after that you know, like, <laughs> lowering of something <laughs> and just a donkey. <laughs> All right, I'll find a good trumpet intro for Stanley. I don't even know everything I'm finding online. Lord Stanley. Okay. How about let me let me try this one. Oh, sorry, Val. Go ahead. That's okay. He's not a thoroughbred. (laughs) It just said trumpet fanfare. Well, that's... I hop on Stan's back and just start (laughs) whipping him. (laughs) No, that would be Guy's job. Don't. don't. No, I can't. Yeah. Guy's the jockey. Let's try this one. It might be the same thing. Uh, It's still too kingly. You want this for like when he walks in the room? Yeah, it should be like... That's timpani. By God, that's Stan Saverin's music. This can be when he's walking down the hall. I think Stan's coming. And then, like, the water starts reverberating, like in Jurassic Park. (laughs) In everybody's glass. Yeah, just ripples galore. What's this one? That's a slow. That's something in slow motion. But isn't this like the? That's uh, like a hockey. ABC Wide World of Sports. Theme? Kids playing pond hockey. Just chariots of fire. The thrill of victory and the agony of Stan's feet. All right, what do you? What's have? this one? No, let's just go <laughs> no. forward. Okay. Don't Here, you feel like when he walks into a room, there should be 
bloggers throwing rose petals at his feet? Just me? <laughs> That's. I mean, I would like that. Yes. Mike loves bloggers. He'll call a few. What do you have? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville. Um, DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. What's up, man? 3-2 caps last night in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final. The series is even at a game apiece. The venue will now switch to Washington, D.C. for Game 3 on Saturday night. And... Uh, couple of interesting developments uh, regarding what we've seen so far. Uh, the, the most significant, in my estimation, is that the Caps are getting to Marc-Andre Fleury and the Vegas Knights. Uh, Fleury came in to the Stanley Cup Final with a 1.68 goals against, a .947 save percentage, and four shutouts while crafting a 12-3 and record through his first 15 playoff games. He had allowed two goals or fewer 10 times out of 15 in the postseason. It was a legitimate question coming in, can the Caps score against this guy in this team? Can anybody score against this guy in this team? Uh, through two games, they've gotten seven goals, and the chances are there. They're getting looks. Uh, they easily could have had more than they got uh, in each of the first two games, and it's it's not all flurry uh, stopping them. It's it's missing the net and and things of that nature. Not converting passes around the net, but uh, the puck's getting where Washington needs it to be, and their guys are getting where they need to be. A little more finish, and Washington's really going to be in good shape in this thing. Uh, for Vegas, I think the Knights have established their forecheck and pursuit game, and uh, if the Caps don't get the puck out of their end quickly and cleanly, then they're backed up, they're in trouble, they're on their heels, and things are scrambling around Braden Holtby. Uh, the plays at the blue lines are so important. Uh, the first goal last night, a great example, when uh, Dmitry Orloff tried to catch a floating puck with his glove and James Neal got a stick in and either deflected it or bothered Orloff enough that the puck got past Orloff and Neal Grabbed it, headed to the net, and let one rip and uh, hit the top corner far side. Vegas can strike in transition, and uh, Vegas can give you fits when you're trying to get out of your end. Uh, those dynamics uh, are seemingly in place the first two games. Uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov of Washington only played four minutes and 26 seconds last night. Uh, he's the leading scorer in the postseason. He's a critical guy for Washington. Is this going to start becoming a war of attrition? And last but not least, can these teams keep up this pace? Does it have to slow down at some point, or <laughs> are they going to keep? It, it's it is torrid. It's tremendous, isn't it? Physical is all hell, too. Man, just Playoff every shift. So every shift I'm watching, you know, you, you feel like something critical is about to happen. It's really good stuff. Yeah, I'm enjoying this way more than I thought I would. Yeah, me too. And I had pretty high expectations coming into it. I hate the Capitals. I just hate the Caps so. so much that I thought I would really, really not like this. Is that because of Wilson or Trotz or just the, on principle? Ovechkin. All the above. Ovechkin. Because it always struck me as odd that the Penguins, other than this year, had beaten the Caps every time but one. Yeah, but so it's during did, the season, too, not just playoffs. That's true. But there didn't seem to be a lot of, wow, they... They got us here or there. It's they're always down to the wire, though. They're six, seven game series that are nail biters every single time. 
When the Browns finally there's a Niskanen hit on Sid. There's the uh, Wilson breaking jaws and you know giving out concussions. There's history there. Okay, I'm just curious. Oh yeah, no. What you, once no, you, think hate you, them, you hate, you hate the them team forever. That's taking something from you, not the one that you beat just about every time you play them. Well, they took it from us this year. That they did. Maybe that's all they needed. I hated Kolzig back in the day. That I was about to say whenever the Browns rise up, and then I just stop myself. That's uh, let's let's compare apples to apples here, <laughs> not apples to brown oranges. But <laughs> Pirates beat the Cubs two to one last night, salvaging one of three at PNC. A lot was going on there as well, including a hard slide by Bucks pitcher Joe Musgrove into Cubs second baseman Javier Baez. Musgrove said the play was what it was and nothing more, even though both benches and both bullpens ended up emptying quickly thereafter. I mean, I was going in hard to break up a double play. You know, you talk about an internal clock. He saw me coming. I was right in front of him. If he wanted to get out of the way, he should have. Um, I mean, I wasn't trying to hurt him by any means, but I was trying to go in hard like their guy did. So um, he should have got out of the way, I guess. Yeah, a couple things on that play. He didn't get out of the way. He he caught the throw from third, and rather than push off the second base bag and, and attempt to make a throw, he just stood on the bag. Well, you can't do that. I mean, right. the guy's going to run into you. And Musgrove, by letter of the law, was in violation of the law because his slide carried him past second base. And now you can't slide past a bag unless it's home plate. Then you're allowed to overslide it. But that's considered interfering. They reviewed it and then decided they couldn't review it because Baez didn't try to make a throw to complete the double play. So it was simply a force out. Uh, Dear Lord, is it a disaster in, in Major League Baseball, the replay. Yeah. Some some ridiculous stuff, and you got the uh, explanation you probably anticipated from Cubby's manager, Joe Madden. Um, I had nothing, I had no real problem with the slide, first of all. Second of all, uh, Again, it, it all creates the ambiguity regarding the definition, so I just need more definition. Um, throwing the ball, not throwing the ball, slide, good slide, bad slide. I don't, it's just really all over the map, and it makes it really difficult on the umpire. It's very difficult. I had no issue with the slide. Uh, just the interpretation post was, uh, again, ambiguous, uh, nebulous, uh, ephemeral. Uh, you keep going. Ambiguous, nebulous, ephemeral. Thanks, Joe. I got a couple other words for him. Adjectives. Smarmy. Douchey. Baggy. That would stop the uh, four-game Pirates losing streak. Uh, they improved to 29-26. and 26. Four coming up in St. Louis starting tonight. And the Pirates have Trevor Williams, Jameson Tyone, Chad Cool, and Nick Kingham lined up to face the Cardinals. Uh, the Steelers... Suffered a couple of uh, injuries in OTA number five yesterday on the south side. The most significant one, offensive tackle Gerald Hawkins, went down with what ESPN.com's Jeremy Fowler is reporting to be a torn quad. That would seemingly put the spotlight on uh, third-round draft pick Chuck Wuma Okafor from Western Michigan. Uh, Steelers all of a sudden appear to be in the market for a swing tackle behind Alejandro Villanueva and Marcus Gilbert. And that makes the tackle situation ambiguous. 
nebulous, ephemeral. Joe, Joe Madden, kids, he's going to be here always. He's a jerk. Total jag off. Uh, unlike our next guest, Stan Savern, who we are uh, going to talk with here after the commercial break, and Stan about to be. Uh, I don't know. Are you inducted into a wall, or are you drawn on a wall, or are you placed on a wall? Yeah, what's the uh, proper uh, nomenclature here? Hung on the wall, <laughs> which is the only time one would use that term to describe me. True love it. I'm really pep- pepped up the hardball weather. Yeah, it's 74 degrees at DVE. The news brought to us by the new PPG Science Pavilion at Carnegie Science Center, built to inspire. See? That makes everything Please, just sound. keep that on. Please. No, this is not a good oh, story God. to play. Yeah, yeah, no. Death story. Oh, God. No, but uh, more women have accused Mario Batali of sexual <laughs> yeah, misconduct. Play taps. Play taps. <laughs> play taps, exactly. <laughs> In an Eater report published yesterday, seven women detailed alleged inappropriate touching and unwanted kissing from the former TV chef. This comes on the heels of the NYPD announcing... It's investigating a claim Batali drugged and sexually assaulted a woman in 2005. He denied the allegation. He was fired as a co-host from ABC's The Chew and has stepped away from his businesses. There are now 18 total accusers spanning at least 20 years. 41 of a record-setting 516 Scripps National Spelling Bee competitors moving on to the final round. The finalists were announced yesterday after two days of competition at National Harbor, just south of Washington, D.C. Part one of the finals begins at 10 a.m. today and will be aired on ESPN2. And then part two beginning at 8.30 tonight. For the past year, authorities in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, had been on the hunt for a serial toilet clogger who has caused thousands of dollars in damage to a local community center. Well, they finally got their man. Investigators say they've arrested a 33-year-old man who is behind the bizarre crime. They say he's the single person responsible for repeatedly stuffing garbage, uh, especially plastic pop bottles down the toilets in the women's restroom inside a community center there. Police asked anyone with information to contact them, and that's exactly what happened. Crime Stoppers got the toilet clogger. What? Why would you do that? It is a bizarre. Like, is it a fetish? That's or something? what I was wondering. I don't know. You'd be sexually excited by doing that. I think you well, just. A well, why jerk. would you do it? You're going People into the woman's bathroom and sexually excited by balloons. Why is it such a stretch to think they might be turned on by a clogged toilet? Because balloons are at least you could like make them into like balloon a women? balloon animal, yeah, a if person you, or something. If you have those long ones, <laughs> is that the kind you like? <laughs> I like the kind I love. I like the big round ones, Bill. Oh, okay. The no. balloon people are the best. the The fact that the, they fill up. Hotel rooms with balloons, and they're like, I'm good for the weekend. I'll, I'll see you guys Monday. Well, I would love to see a brain scan of these weirdos. I mean, you you would have to know who they are. They come out, and their hair is probably standing straight up. <laughs> <laughs> From all that static, you just touch them, and ah, oh, my God. <laughs> their pubes are like just standard attention. <laughs> they're like Guy Fieri pubes. Dude, there was that- a... Okay, go no, ahead. I was going to say that and the the baby people who oh, yeah. pretend to be babies. 
That's some weird stuff right there, man. Change my diapy. Yeah, I remember seeing a report of this one guy. He had like a giant, an adult-sized crib, an adult-sized high chair. He wore a diaper. His lady, I can't remember if it was his wife or girlfriend, would put him to sleep at night. She wouldn't change him. Like, <laughs> I don't know. He didn't know. take it that far, did I he? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. What is Some th- poor woman has uh, to hold his ankles at the top. <laughs> People are so weird. Oh, yeah. The weirdest. And it all, I mean, it's all something that happens in childhood. I mean, that's what the balloon thing is. That's what the baby thing is. It is. For sure. That's where the kinks develop. I think. I mean, that's what the furries is. That's what the plushies are. I don't know. I mean, it's not like you develop an urge to uh, dry hump Teddy Ruxpin in your 20s. I don't, I have no idea. You know, when you do people probably, all of a sudden develop a, a foot fetish? When does, you know, when did Rex Ryan start going, oh yeah, feet? <laughs> when he was a kid, probably. It's weird. Something happened to Maybe him. Maybe he feet. worked in a shoe store. Yeah. Possibly. When they had a shoe ladies' stores. shoe stores. A new study asked people about their biggest regrets, and the most common answer by far is that we aren't living up to our ideal selves because we haven't hit our goals or achieved our dreams. So what is stopping us from going for it? Yeah, 30, what is stopping us? 30% said not being disciplined enough. No question. People don't want to put the work in. Yep. Other reasons included money, fear, time, a lack of support, and a lack of training. Father's Day <laughs> coming up on June 17th, and the people behind A1 Steak Sauce just launched a new line of meat candles in time for Dad's Day. Hell. <laughs> How's your meat candle? <laughs> Burning at both ends. <laughs> you better get that checked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> meat candle. Meat uh, candle. <laughs> the three cents are original meat, which smells <laughs> like steak. Or- original meat. <laughs> uh, I'm a traditionalist. Yeah. I like original meat. <laughs> Backyard the original barbecue six meats. and uh, classic burger. They're fifteen bucks each, and you can get them at a one meat I swear to God, if anybody gets me a meat candle, <laughs> dude, you're getting just nothing but meat candles. Nothing but meat candles going forward. <laughs> Happy birthday! Have a meat candle. They were all out of balloons. Those long ones that you like. So here's a meat candle. Oh, they come in a they come in a jar shaped like the a one bottle. Do they give you meatball candles too? No, no. Maybe that could be their next next round of yeah, offerings. Yeah, a little accessory for those. Right. Yeah, sure. It's a good pairing. Foo Fighters frontman Dave Grohl says a failed collaboration with his hero David Bowie is set to be released soon. In a recent interview, he said he hoped to record the song with David before his death, but. Bowie turned down the invitation. So awesome. Grohl says he has since given the track to a mystery band that recorded the song and is set to release it, but he will not reveal who it is. Didn't Bowie say, uh, no thanks, it's not very interesting, is it? (laughs) (laughs) He said something like that, which is just like this really like, sort of like a light slap that landed harder than a punch. Yeah. It's not 
Very interesting. <laughs> and finally, David Copperfield was found negligent but not financially responsible for a British tourist's injuries during one of his illusions. Gavin Cox sued the musician magician after allegedly slipping and falling while acting as a volunteer from the audience during a vanishing act in Vegas in 2013. Cox says he suffered a brain injury, but the jury was uh, able to determine he was 100% responsible for his injuries. Despite the victory, Copperfield was forced to give away how the illusion was done. According to the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Cox was among 12 other volunteers who seemed to, to disappear from Copperfield's elevated stage, when in reality they were just whisked off the platform by flashlight-wielding stage hands. It gave away all his secrets. <laughs> I really want to actually see that show. Just because it seems so over the top and absurd, like he's making airplanes disappear. He's a creep. Yeah, just, he's another one. Wait, he's didn't he? Did he get accused? Yeah, yeah. he, he had like an island. He like to, kidnapped her, right? To his private island. Now you can't leave. Wait, is that how the trick worked? <laughs> totally creepy. That's illegal. It's DB Morning Show, and joining us right now, did you come up with a trumpet? No. Oh, Stan. Come on. We were trying we to have a trumpet a, fanfare. We were going to have a big song of sports. Did you just do one? No, it's not spectacular enough. Yes, it is. No, we need multiple trumpets. That's us letting you down. Yeah, we, yeah see. That's not good enough. No. Stan we, deserves way better. We need, a, we need a flourish is what we need. Every time. Nope. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> That's the song Trumpets by Jason Derulo. Uh, sorry. Oh, I know which trumpet he would like. Stan, the Lone Ranger, or maybe even more appropriately, the Godfather. That's the trumpet. Stan. I will tell you something about the Lone Ranger. This is a true story. When I was when I was a little kid, like six, seven, the Lone Ranger, that was a you know big thing on TV in the mid fifties mm-hmm. and everything like that. And that was my favorite show. There wasn't a whole lot on TV back in those days. <laughs> um, but the Lone Ranger was my favorite show, and I liked him so much that I went to my parents and told them I wanted to change my name from Stanley to Clayton because the guy who played the Lone Ranger, he was his name was Clayton Moore, and I wanted to change my name to Clayton. Uh, they declined. That's sweet. Clayton. I'm. Somebody told me, a, or I, I listened to a story one time on a podcast, and I don't remember who it was. It was some comedian. I wanted to say it was like Albert Brooks, but he had been working as a PA on some movie set or something when he was a kid, and someone made him go pick up the Lone Ranger and at the airport, and he had taken acid earlier <laughs> in the day. And he thought it was Tonto. And so he picked him up, <laughs> and he might have even had acid on him or something like that, and I hope I'm not totally butchering the story, but he <laughs> like gets pulled over, and the cop is like all over this hippie-looking kid, and, uh, you know, he's terrified. He's about to be, sh- you know, shook down and busted for drugs. And the Lone Ranger steps out of the back of the car. And he's like, officer, unhand that man. <laughs> was he wearing the mask? <laughs> Just everyone knew who it was. And he's Dead like, giveaway. The Lone Ranger got me out of that. Uh, Stan, you are going to be inducted or hung, uh, as we uh, established earlier, on the Pirate Media Wall of Fame today. That is no small honor, given the fact that you have not exactly 
carried water for the organization. You've been a critic. You know, Gene Collier wrote about this in the Post Gazette. Uh, you haven't exactly been uh, someone who's eager to pump their tires. No. Uh, I think a lot of credit goes to the Pirates, as I mentioned in the article to Gene. A lot of, to me, a lot of credit goes to the Pirates for understanding what our jobs are. And I believe that uh, that understanding, this is an award for having done the job well, I hope, anyway. Uh, so I think they they deserve a lot of credit. Um Sorry, boys and girls. News that you don't like or is unfavorable to you is not fake news. Uh, and I think by instituting this award and the other people, and everybody's in sort of in a different category. The Gunner, you know, Rosie Rosewell, uh, Charlie Feeney. Charlie would stick a fork in him every now and again. Uh, Bob Smizek certainly did. Uh, I, I think it's a tribute to the Pirates for recognizing, no, he didn't always like what he said, agree with what he said. But to me, my barometer is, was I accurate and was I fair? Mm -hmm. And if I wasn't accurate or if I was unfair, I have always tried to apologize and rectify what I said. This was inaccurate or this was not a fair take on my part. Um, so I think it's uh, you know an award for doing the job that you're supposed to do. Well, you've done it very well. What was the Thank most um, contentious time do you think you had with the organization over your stand on something? Uh, I had a real falling out uh, with the organization when the Galbras wanted to sell the team. And this would have been, well, late 70s going into the early 80s. Uh, and they complained that they weren't, getting enough attendance, different era back then, but they weren't. They, they didn't draw all that well, despite having winning teams. And the problem they had back in those days was that Joel Brown, who was a great general manager, he was old school, and he said, if you put a winner on the field, people will come. Well, things changed. Uh, the entertainment factor came in. Right. The rise of other sports came in. They were definitely a factor, and you had to market, and you had to, anyway, complain about a lack of public support, Meanwhile, the Gabos had made scads of money, you know, throughout the years since they purchased the franchise back in the late 40s. And in addition to that, they used the Pirates to really further their real estate business interests in Pittsburgh. I mean, a lot of the big buildings, you know, were theirs, and they built them and rented them, you know, saying, hey, we own the Pittsburgh Pirates, you can entertain people, that sort of thing. And I thought it was kind of disingenuous, and they blamed the fans for um, their maladies and... Um, I landed on him with both feet. Um, and, and such was the power that you had back then. You know, there weren't 50 different media outlets that, true. Uh, you know, a shot from Stan Savern was uh, in, in those times a lot more impactful than it, anybody can uh, levy in today's media landscape. Well, there were two talk shows on the air on the radio at that point. Uh, right. My, there you go. That alone. Uh, Myron yeah. uh, and myself on 1250. Um, shortly thereafter, uh, Bruce Kyden started a talk show. Sam Nover had one for a while about that same time. And Myron the, only did an hour when he started, right? Myron did um, seven to eight, and then I came along in... Um, 80, 79? Uh, January of 1981. I started at Channel 4 in 1980, but I had a contract thing with KQV where I had been, and I did TV on the weekends... 
but I wasn't allowed to be on radio until the first of the year, January of 19, uh, 1980. Uh, and, and then I was on 8 to 9, and then what they did with Myron, they, he was so popular, they expanded him to two hours, from 6 to 8, and I did 8 to 9. Uh, I also think that the power um, adding Channel 4, when you did a commentary on Channel 4, I mean, that was some pop back in the day when they actually allowed you to do commentary. You know, a lot of, and, you know back then I was a bit more of a firebrand, uh, maybe, but it never stopped me from, you know, speaking my mind. So, um, again, my first, I believe, I've always believed that my first responsibility is to you folks listening. Um, it's not to my employers, which would, of course, explain my checkered employment past. <laughs> I never thought that they were first, or sponsors, or teams. Again, I've always felt, and maybe I'm wrong, if I was honest and I was fair, and I was most importantly honest with the audience, that I'd be okay. But and how, I showed up for work every day and worked hard. How different is the relationship the media has with the organization today than it used to be? It strikes me that um, managers might have been a little more accessible, or, or there, at least there was more of a respect factor given when there was less people involved in the actual reporting on the team now there are just you know there's a gang of bloggers reporters and different outlets that are all trying to vie for attention and the effect of that over the long haul is these guys they get a little detached and then start to see it as you know completely separate entities us, but us versus them yeah when you were there you you know i hear you speak about even the years with leland as him kind of, you know, not giving begrudging respect, but actually understanding what you guys had to do as much as he could be flipping tables and stuff, you could go, hey, Skip, you got a second. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's true. I mean, you know, back in the day, there were two, well, actually, there were three newspapers uh, covering the team, but there's also a lot of suburban guys. But I would also tell you that back in the day, uh, we look at the Mike Tomlin press conference now, the Bill Cowher press conference, when that first began, um, there was about eight or nine of us for Chuck Knoll's press conference. And it wasn't until about, oh boy, I want to say like 81, 82, that 1250, which was then the flagship of the Steelers radio network, began putting the Chuck Knoll press conference on the air. Um, it used to be on Mondays. that Chuck gave the players off on Mondays as opposed to Tuesdays. But there was only eight or nine of us. Um, and it was funny, when that first went on the air, the writers, for a while, refused to ask questions because they didn't want their questions, which they wanted to write in their newspaper pieces, to appear on the air so that everybody would hear their brilliant questions. Right. Of course, only they could think up, uh, and the answers to that would, and I, I mean, I, I got Public to, domain. But yeah, right, and they, yeah. they were out there, and of course, in those days, you know, they weren't tweeting it out, and they, you know, it wasn't online. You had to actually wait till the next day when the paper was published. And so they thought that if they asked a question and Noel gave an answer, then everybody heard it listening on the radio, and therefore it would minimize the effect it would have in the paper, which I got to a degree. Uh -huh. Do you think the fan base has become more cynical in their expectations of what they want to consume about the team? Because I think a lot of people my age and probably younger don't understand the true dynamic that you guys are there to, to be the conduit from the team to the, to the fan base and also as a check, but not uh, there just to bash the team. Like it seems like now if you write a, uh, a good piece on a team, you're considered a homer and they want to hear you be more critical. 
because they're more critical because they have greater access to the inner workings of what's going on in, in a season because of all the different outlets. You know, back in the day, you had the, you know, the couple newspapers and, you know, again, two talk shows. I also think it depends on what function uh, you're, you're, you're fulfilling. In other words, if you're a beat writer, you're there to report. If you're a columnist, you're offering an opinion. Um, if you're a talk show host, people expect information, but they also expect strong opinions. And I think now people have greater access to what's going on because they have many more outlets mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, to, to go anywhere that they want to go. And everybody's got a Twitter account as an expert. Yep. Everyone's on the same platform. There you go. And so I, I, I think that they – I think now people have – and maybe it's our fault, uh, have less respect for the media's work in general, and I think they pick and choose who they decide, well, I can believe that guy, um, or that guy, I don't agree with anything he says. Right. Um, so it's, it, it's definitely more cynical than it was back then. Well, you know what, Stan? None of those jabronis are getting hung on a wall today. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You are. Stan Saverin uh, will be uh, included on the Pittsburgh Pirates Media Wall of Fame today, along with Bob Smizek, and uh, we're going to go down there and watch uh, watch yeah. you get hung. Congratulations. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably going to happen sooner or later. It just happens to be at the ballpark. It's probably, I thought it might happen in Market Square at some point, uh, either by some, uh, some teams or some fans. Um, I, I'm, this sounds corny and cliche. I, when they called me about a month, six weeks ago, whatever it was, uh, I was stunned. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really honored, and I'm, I'm really humbled. I, uh, I've never thought of myself like that. Um, I just show up to work every day, and it's several different places, um, and that's you know what I've always done. Uh, I, I don't think of myself uh, in that regard. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, a stunning day for me. I just, I, I, I don't get it, kind of, but. Well, you you should start to get it, uh, because uh, you're you're I'm running out of time to get it. <laughs> no, the, look, there are few people who have been able to last in this business as long as you have, and keep their integrity and reputation intact. You know, they don't. You can't last that long if you can't keep those things together. And uh, yours have always been unquestioned. So, thank you. Congratulations, and uh, we're glad to be there for you today. Well, I'm thrilled that you're going. I'm really pleased that you're going to be there. It means a great deal. Uh, I can't wait. It'll be it'll be awesome. We get to run the bases, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> three I drinks, can hard three slide snacks. in the second, right? Uh, you Without, can hard slide okay. in the second. And uh, by the way, um, there's going to be a cardboard cutout of Joe Madden strapped to second base. So oh, good. <laughs> good. I'm going to shoot the hot dog gun at it. Uh, Stan Safford, listen to him on uh, ESPN Radio 970. Are you doing your show today? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Mark Madden will be joining me, okay. and uh, it's Stan and Guy Day. Awesome. Also, I think, I'm not sure how this is going to work. But I think that Gene Collier is going to present yeah. Smize, and nobody's told me anything, but I, I get the feeling that they ask Guy to do the same for me, oh, which cool. will be only nice. fitting. Yes. Uh, well, we're looking forward to it. That'll be later. And we'll report back on that later. Thank Guy. Love the statue. Thanks to John Hodgman for joining us earlier, author of the uh, book Vacation Land, which is out in paperback, the Daily Show contributor, and uh, – uh, humorist and uh, podcaster, Judge John Hodgman. Just a funny guy. All really around. funny. Yeah, it was great talking with him. Valerie, what do you got? Yeah, 5 to 7 today. I'll be at the Butler RV Center for their open house. It's on Route 8 to South of Butler. They're going to have food and giveaways and prizes and 
We'll have DVE prizes, and you can take a walk through all the new RVs there. And speaking of food, the Church Brew Works, Pittsburgh's premier brew pub, is celebrating their patio fest Friday, June 1st through Sunday, June 10th. Enjoy a drink or dine in splendor on their great outdoor patio. Brewer Keel has brewed many great refreshing beers. Not a beer person? Try a refreshing mojito. Made with fresh mint from their garden. Chef Terrell's cooking up island-inspired cuisine, including rattlesnake and cactus pierogies, conch fritters, or conch fritters, coconut, tray leche. How do you say that? Tray leche? Cake? I, I think it's tray leche. I never had I Tray leche. Are they in the coffee house tomorrow? Uh, yes. <laughs> Open for lunch and dinner seven days a week. The Church Brew Works is located at 3525 Liberty Avenue in historic Lawrenceville. All right, tomorrow on the show... Sean Collier's movie reviews. Pablo Francisco from the Improv will be here as well. And the tickets for Burt Kreischer's Burtcast podcast, which will be the fourth show in our DVE Comedy Festival lineup, go on sale 10 a.m. at dve.com. That's going to be held Saturday, June 30th at the Rex Theater at 9 p.m. after the Doug Loves Movies podcast, uh, which will be uh, at 4.20 p.m. Once again, all tickets for... The remaining shows of the DVE Comedy Festival will be available at dve.com. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.